Hello everybody, how's it going and welcome back to the Kill Connor Club podcast, episode 97. I'm one of your hosts, James, and I'm joined, as always, by Tyler. As always, how's it going, my friend? Pretty good, how are you? Yeah, you know, pretty good. Excited, excited as always. That's great. Well, today we're joined by a very special guest that you've been asking for for a while now, but we've finally got him on, Robin Gaming. How's it going? It's going pretty good. What's up? Thanks for the invite. Great. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no you've been requested. You've been requested so much Is over the so? past year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and James has been James has been telling me he's like, yeah, this this guy Robin Gaming, he's, he makes amazing videos. We've got to get him on sometime. And I don't know why it's taken so long, but <laughs> I'm glad we're here right now. So it's yeah, it's awesome. Sure. Well, I appreciate. Um. So th- there'll be plenty of talk getting to know you because you know obviously you're a bit big into gaming and your videos are incredible man i would spend the week just kind of scrolling through your channel and watching you know video after video after video oh, yeah you you make yeah fantastic work so we've got plenty to talk about today but before we get too far into it we've got to thank our people over at patreon.com forward slash as always helping out this podcast obviously our patreon producers king richard the third craig seth and josh chevalier but of course, our long list, Robin, you're going to have to deal with this. I apologize. This list is obnoxiously long. No, um, no problem. And we've, we've got to thank our sweet vintage lads over on patreon.com forward slash as always for helping power this podcast. If you like what you're listening to here and you want to hear more, every week the Kill Connor Club podcast isn't on. You get the exclusive Kill Connor Clubhouse podcast over on Patreon, as well as one week early access to the Cinema Room podcast, which is it's it's a great benefit. And for just one dollar a month, you get access to all of that. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to be a sweet ninja lad and join this list, head over to patreon.com forward slash as always. So to thank a few of them, we have King Richard the Third, Craig, Seth, Bullsack 47, Josh Devlier, Damien, Billy the Team Titan, my Captain Robertson, Team Anil Travis, Kimasabe, Gamer, Casey Wood, Adam Sunling, Alfie Rosell, Jamie the Gamer, Smexy Dork, Lumistrad, Mario5380, Layla Out, Viridian, Pinkflame313, Arun Win, Fatfuck Cuck, Nib, Brendan Obiku <laughs> Overlord, Ravjai, Julie, Prudvi Mover, Oscar, James and Lad, Connor DeRose, Bully in the Alley, Zaheer, Gene, Son of a Bitch, OG Adogo, Lauren, Goddammit Glenn, Furious Coco, The ACMJS, Delta R Rodriguez, Cassassin, Kyle Sandor, S. Jaws, Kyle Marvel, Marcus Blackburn, Emil Catborg, Joshua Mora, Ginkgo Swag, Andrew Katona, Mass the Bass, 2434, Joe the Sexy Boy Smith, Elstico91, Joe aka Founder Scarab, HBAS12, I got Lombargo, The Real Jaw Raptor, Alfie Rodbert, Brian Ford, Casper, Milk Boy, Fishy, or Ethan Woodgates, and Andrew Martinez. Thanks to Sweet Vintage Lads for helping power this podcast. Fuck yeah, me. it's a long list. I, I, I think we're at the end of the podcast already, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And thanks for joining us, Robert. We appreciate you coming on. Um, it's great getting to know you. Um, but but I, I guess the best way to start this is for the listeners of Kill Connor Club that may not have heard of you, Robin, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you do on YouTube, and kind of how you got into YouTube, and what sort of videos you're making? Uh, do you have a minute? It's quite a story, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we, we're on. A, yeah, we have a couple of hours, so we, we, I think we'll be sweet. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm Robin. I'm 24 years old. I'm from the Netherlands. Um, you know, small country, but uh, but yeah, like I've been playing games pretty much my entire life already. Um, I started YouTube around like 2012, basically. I mean, my channel has been almost I think over 10 years old already. Like I started my channel in 2008. But I never really made videos back then. You know, I would upload a video like once every six months or something. You know, I I never really had the intention to actually grow an audience or, or something like that. But um, 
it was basically as soon as Uncharted 3 came around, I played that game a lot, the multiplayer especially. And I started YouTube by uh, making my own like top 10 Uncharted 3 plays series. Um, you know, basically just featuring like the best clips from people in the community and stuff like that. And I was fortunate enough that Noidog, um, you know, they, they sort of like put my series on Uncharted TV, which was like an in-game feature back then. So everybody that played Uncharted 3 multiplayer had the ability to, um, you know, to, to check out the videos and submit clips to me and stuff. So that was a, a nice way to sort of, you know, give the channel a boost immediately. Um, so that's like how I, you know, how I got my first, my initial, you know, first couple thousand subscribers, basically. And from there on, I started making videos more about the gaming industry in general. I started to expand. Uh, and the last year or so, I've actually been taking a bit, taking a bit of a step back. And I'm more focused on like actual high quality, uh, almost, I mean, you know, documentary style videos. I don't know what you want to call it, but more scripted. Um, and that's been, I mean, that's been great. And it seems, you know, all the videos are performing super well and people seem to really enjoy it. So, and it's nice for me too, because, you know, I have, I think over a thousand videos up on my channel. So the, the, the typical, you know, commentary type stuff, um, like I kind of got over that. Uh, so, you know, just being able to take that step back now and actually like focus a bit more on, on, yeah, putting a lot of time and effort into a video, like. You know that that's yeah that's really that's really nice and it's been paying off. So that's awesome to see. That's basically what my channel was about. So obviously you're into mostly single player games, mm -hmm. but as a foundation, and then sort of the, you know as you're talking about with the multiplayer aspects of it kind of feeding in, but mostly obviously Uncharted. It's a pretty you know single player based audience for the most part and well i would say know. it's more the fact that like yeah i mean single player games is what i'm passionate about i definitely do play you know multiplayer that there's there's a couple games that i um you know play a lot multiplayer wise but i just feel like that type that's not it's not really as interesting in my personal opinion to make content about basically like it's it's harder you know it's just, yeah, multiplayer is multiplayer. You uh, you play matches, there's not really too much. I mean, you could dive into, of course, the typical stuff that YouTubers and Twitch streamers do, which is, you know, talking about, like, setups or, or uh, I don't know, your, your class loadouts and things like that. But it's not really just the type of content I'm looking for. I've always been very passionate about single-player games, about storytelling in games. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's more uh, uh, the thing. I like making content more about that. So when it came to like growing your channel, what was, were there any like key moments where you had like that massive sort of growth? Like what for you was, did you have any one moment or was there multiple moments that kind of grew? Cause you got a big channel at the moment. Is that what you do full time right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, pretty much. I'm still kind of, I'm actually in this really weird phase at the moment where I'm trying to figure out what I actually want to do uh, as far as my life and the channel as well. And you know, whether I should I also, I do do Twitch streaming and stuff, but that's also kind of been on the, you know, haven't really been doing that as much in the recent months. Like, I'm trying to figure out where exactly I want to go with this right now, but, like, there have definitely been key moments. Like I said, it was, you know, it initially started with the whole Uncharted TV thing. That was obviously a great way to boost the channel, so that was the first couple of thousand subscribers I received. Then I also um, sort of worked my way up and was able to be featured on the, what was back then still the Machinima Respawn channel, which has completely died now, but... Uh, you know, I used to make uh, make videos for them and stuff, and that that sort of like got my channel introduced to an even bigger audience. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, in in all these years, I've made 
hundreds to about a thousand videos in total, I think. So that made me able to slowly grow the channel over time. But recently, um, with all the, the more in-depth videos I've been doing, you could really tell that like with each individual video, it's been able to like reach out to a different new audience that has been introduced to my channel. And so there have been a couple of videos that just managed to get a crazy amount of views and like people really enjoyed apparently what they saw. And so uh, that's, yeah, I've been able to grow my channel that way. Yeah, and and what was it? So you said like a year ago you started going into the more scripted, mm -hmm. you know, l l real detailed analysis videos. And obviously, you know, scrolling through your channel, I definitely noticed that change. And I think it's obviously really paid off for you. And James and and I, I guess, have done similar things around that time as well, maybe a year ago, a bit a bit more, to kind of do those sorts of videos from just the general. I guess, sit down and just kind of talk freely unscripted. Mm. What was it that led you to like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is the types of videos I want to make. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, like I've actually, I used to, I used to, I, I guess, you know, when I look at uh, James channel and stuff, I actually, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much reminded of like what my channel used to be as well. A couple of years ago. Um, I used to kind of be the same way where I would upload, you know, my goal was kind of to upload almost every single day if possible, you know, it would always be like the typical commentary stuff. And that has a charm to it. And I, you know, I, I really enjoyed that back in those days. But I just found that as I started making more and more videos, it obviously, you know, there, there comes a point where it just gets a bit repetitive and you feel pressured. It starts literally feeling like work instead of a hobby, which is always what it used to be, right? Um, yeah. So I just noticed that with that with that grind going on, um, that there came a point where I I just I'm I'm just like you know I want to try something different now, and so that's when I made you know the first couple of those like more analysis style videos, and I just noticed like it pays off. You know, people don't even mind necessarily that you take a longer time to upload, that you don't upload as frequently. They just appreciate the fact that you actually, you know, and it, it shows, right? Like they can tell that there's m much more time and effort being put into those videos. And at the same time, I noticed that the YouTube algorithm likes promoting them and stuff. Um, and for me myself, it was, you know, more the thing that I was now becoming interested in because of that grind. So it was just like all these things came together. And it made me realize, like, yeah, I think this is more the direction I want to head into because it's probably better for the long term. So, yeah, and I especially, I mean, when it comes to anything on YouTube, you kind of find that you need those changes because when you just get into a routine, it's not like YouTube's a a job where, oh yeah, I can get, I can work my way up and I've worked really hard, I'll get this promotion, and mm. there's like levels to it. It's just like you, you, your own boss, you have to find ways to be like, okay, I really want to keep motivated, I really want to push myself forward. And I think doing having those moments where you're like, these are the types of videos I want to make, I want to have that change, I want to do this instead. And when you really put your heart into it, I think that's what pays off maybe more than anything, is like if you're putting your heart into it, then the content shows that. So that's why exactly. no matter what you change, if you've got your heart in it, then you know, boom, you're going to still have that growth and stuff like that. No, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Um, so I, I did want to know uh, what, I guess, for you, since you're, you know, you, you focus on single-player games, what are your sort of game franchises that you're into the most? What are your top, maybe in no particular order, what's your top five games of all time? Just to kind of, uh, uh, as us gamers like to know, how to get to know you. What, what do we have nah, in common super here? super hard. Well, I think, it, like, um, let's see. Well, games of all time. It's uh, Well, people know the Uncharted series, that's basically like, that's how I started this channel. That's my favorite series ever made. 
uh, it's still is to this day easily. Um, because again, it that's also the series that got me more introduced to like, especially that what I love about games is the more story-driven direction and stuff like that. Um, that in recent years has maybe sort of like, uh, you know, it's not as, you don't see them as frequently come out anymore, those type of games. A lot of it these days is open world and multiplayer and RPG based. Uh, but still, you know, like recently we've even seen I think games in that same spirit again, like uh, uh, rise up. I mean, look at God of War or something like that. I really, really like what they've done with the most recent God of War, and I can, like, I could definitely say right now that that's sort of um, probably, like, like, yeah, not a one of those franchises at the moment where I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to go with that in the future. Um, as far as games of all time, I mean, it's not even necessarily games in that direction, though, in the story-driven direction, because there's a lot of, um, I guess, more momentum-based games. Or, like, you know, I, I really love the original Mirror's Edge. That's a game that has, like, a special place in my heart, because... And that's not even a story-driven game in the slightest. You just play it for the gameplay. But, I like, that that game, I've, I've put probably hundreds of hours into it, just trying to beat my times and stuff like that. The same counts for... Uh, skate, like I really, really like the skate, uh, the EA skate game. So I'm, I'm still hoping here for a skate four to ever happen, but it's looking <laughs> very unlikely was at the that, moment. Was that the one that James, you and like the whole community were like fucking jizzing your pants over getting announced last E3? We uh, <laughs> we uh, made a meme where every game because we got so tired of. I think it was the was it the EA Play? I don't remember. We got so tired of like all the shit they were showing that every every time a new game was announced, everyone just spammed the chat with skate four. Because yeah. we were so hyped, looking forward to Skate 4. Uh, it didn't come, but, you know. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that, if, if it ever happens. Looking forward to it. You know what the exists, terrible thing is with I'd Skate 4? Like, the the terrible thing about that is that EA, <clears throat> last year at, at E3, EA even put the servers back online for Skate 2 and 3. Like, those servers had been offline mm. for years. They put them online right before E3, making everybody think, like, oh, they're going to announce it now, they're going to announce it now, and they still didn't do it. Like, I, I don't even know why that it seems like such a dick move to me why why would you possibly do that and then i think the playstation account also the the there was like a french playstation official account or whatever that tweeted a picture of a skateboard it's like oh, yeah i remember that, yeah. purposefully trying to troll us or what are they doing because people have been screaming for this for years if you go to the instagram page of ea right now still with every single post that they have on, on the on the Instagram there, whether it's about Anthem or whatever game that they have coming out, the comments are just full of hashtag Skate 4 everywhere. <laughs> like, people really are screaming for it, but they're just not bothering with it. It's it's ridiculous. It's got to be in development, though, right? That's got to be like, they're, they're not ready to announce it, but they're just kind of trolling everyone. They're like, oh, you know, they'll Maybe. get it eventually. I mean, it's been a while, though, since Skate. When did Skate 3 come out? 2010. Yeah, it's been a while. It's nearly 10 years. Yeah. Fuck Nine me. Years. That's yep, crazy. Yep. What next gen? Come on, next year. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. Like EA has just gone into this direction where they don't care anymore. In fact, they did close the studio that made the skate games already a while ago. So it would have to be a different studio if they were to make it. But uh, it seems like they're just focused on you know whatever sells best, and they don't care for all the other stuff or like fan requested things. You know, it's EA. Yeah, I guess just, they just they just want games and service now. Yeah, that's yeah, what that too. Yeah, true. I mean, you what, could do that. What, with what's going to keep people fighting? Ruin it, but like you could do it. Just turn it yeah. into only multiplayer. I mean, that wouldn't even be bad. It wouldn't be that bad as long as you got the cool gameplay. There, it'd be all right. I played a lot of multiplayer on Skate Three. 
Yeah, me too. Is that what's good about skate? Is it just like it's purely a gameplay game, right? Like there's no like secretly awesome skating story. story. Yeah, it's just (laughs) such a good single player story driven game. I love the story of skate. No, it's just really, really fun. Something about it, I love it. Yeah. Okay, Jesus. Yeah, I've never been into like I played the Tony Hawk games at like my cousin's place when I was a kid, like on the N64, like the PS1 and shit. But yeah, I never got into a skate game or like any skating game at all so well they play completely differently because i i love the tony hawk games back in the days as well but it's kind of like the thing about skate that made it so popular and, and the reason why people love the gameplay so much is they is they completely changed it around like the tony hawk games used to be you just press buttons to do tricks and stuff all the time and it was super over the top and skate went into the more like realistic approach you actually had to use the analog stick to pull off tricks and that was really refreshing and innovative at the time when they did that with the original one um and they've been kind of just building off of that with all the other games i personally didn't even really like skate 3 that much even though it seems to be a lot of people's favorite for me it was mainly skate 2 that i loved because with skate 3 i felt like they were kind of going in the direction where they were making it a bit more casual and stuff you know where it was like more focused on the the whole of meat challenges which is basically you you know trying to like bail off your board or whatever and, and break as many bones as possible that type of stuff Where, whereas i really liked it more as a skateboarding simulator i feel like that's what the original two games were about the most three also had this more like cartoony graphical art style so it just felt in every way like they were going a bit more for that you know what nowadays would be the fortnite audience i guess um the casual so, audience yeah so i hope they would go back to the roots a bit although you have to be realistic if a skate four is ever going to happen like it seems like they're only going to go more and more into that direction um True. you know where it's going now so yeah mm. um james is gonna hate me for this for bringing this up to you but uh, i'm gonna ask you anyway because i'm curious because obviously james and i started this show and oh, got connected okay, yeah. when we started youtube because of um the assassin's creed franchise uh-huh and as much as he and I, you know, in many ways despise it now, just because it's, it, yeah, because, um, because it, it is, um, <laughs> what are you, what are your, what are your general thoughts on Assassin's Creed? Have you ever been into it? Have you ever played them? Oh, totally. What, what's your thoughts? No, Assassin's Creed 2 is still easily one of my favorite games of all time, probably. Like it's up there in the, in the top 25, top 10 or something, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Assassin's Creed, I guess it's sort of like just marks the general, um, how do I describe that? Like, it's weird. Back in those days, Assassin's Creed felt really fresh, right? When the original and AC2 came out. I never played the original, but 2 was my stepping stone into it, I guess. Um, and and back then, the Ubisoft open world formula, there was no such thing yet. Like, people back then didn't know what the Ubisoft open world formula was. That's kind of what they invented with Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because of that, back then, yeah, I loved that game. I loved the setting. I still do the soundtrack, the, the gameplay, the story was good, too. But I feel like the problem with Assassin's Creed more is the fact that there's this, you know, the, the, the sequelization. Like, there was this two-year gap between the original and the second one, right? And I kind of hope that they would maintain that and not bring out too many games because you, you're going to start feeling that open-world fatigue. And that's something that I've, in general, been, you know, feeling a lot with all the Ubisoft games, but also, you know, there's countless of examples out there of, like, the typical open-world stuff. Even when it comes down to something like um, Horizon, you know, on the, on the PS4, like, great game, and I really, really enjoy playing it, but it doesn't do anything new anymore. Um, 
I feel like that's my biggest problem at the moment with Assassin's Creed. So yeah, I feel like with you, it's probably a bit more like purist stuff or whatever, or it's about the story or something that sure. I, I don't know exactly what it is. But yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it's just mainly that I've gotten this open world fatigue that's really that's really developed for me in the in the past few years. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of that for us as well. I mean, like mm. it got to a point where yeah i mean they were just doing the same thing over and over again we're like we need them to take a break like can we mm -hmm. just, can we just take a, at least a year and make a better game and that, i mean they did that because i mean we, we really liked origins we thought it was refreshing although yeah. it took a lot from things like maybe like the witcher 3 or like mm -hmm. similar to like horizon that type of game um and that was great we were like yeah this is good okay now take another year off develop it further let's make some good games but then they didn't and they released odyssey and i really dislike that for so many don't reasons. people love um, odyssey though like do. i see so many yeah. people rave yeah, about it a, but there's also a lot of idiots in the world you see robin and that's the thing we've got to understand here we've really got to understand yeah, that. Yeah, um, that's what it is yeah yeah yeah, I'm not, I'm, wrong, I'm, I'm not calling it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like everyone's allowed their own opinion and you're also allowed to be wrong. It's just, mm. the, uh, am I saying that they're wrong? I don't know. You t uh, you might be saying that, but I'm just saying <laughs> people have opinions and I'm also saying that people are also wrong in the world sometimes. Am I talking about those things as connected things right now? Probably, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, Odyssey, terrible game. Yeah, mm. and just, yeah. In, yeah just so fills me with fills me Real with rage bad. but we also have like but that's for a lot of ways purest thing too yeah as well. also it's like, also just bad though i also think it's just every time i play it i'm like this is real bad what is this huh. yeah. like just so boring and just because uh, i, I, I was playing i streamed it the other day because i wanted to do that new quest that came out because everyone was telling me to and ethan tweeted out saying like oh it's it's fine like it's a pretty decent thing and i was like okay i'll play it, it wasn't good at all it was pretty bad um but i, I like i did another side quest and, like, I, I went and talked to a guy, and then he gave me, like, a fetch quest, and I went into, like, a temple, and I pressed, like, Y on, like, against, like, a statue, and then went back to him, and then he gave me three locations that were, like, thousands of meters apart from each other <laughs> to collect other things. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible, and that's every single side mission in the game. It's every single main mission in the game. It's just but that's good. my problem with open world games is it's so much designed around making you play them as long as possible. Like there's no actual substance to them most of the time. It's just like yeah, the the, the typical fetch quest, go and you know collect something here and five kilometers away or whatever, and you're just busy doing that for an hour. And then you know at the end at the end of it all, they can simply like market the game in the way of like yeah, you can put a hundred hours into it. I'm like, who cares? If it's a hundred boring hours, then I don't <laughs> want to play it. Like I'd rather have a great. 15 hour you know linear single player game with a great story and just you know smooth gameplay and everything like that that's polished than a 100 hour you know typical ubisoft open world game like it's just that's not to me that's not engaging anymore personally yeah i agree i think what is it that they're missing then like what is it that you're looking for is there a game that's out there or maybe even that you know hasn't come out yet but what is it that open world needs to be refreshed to have that substance do they need to be like okay let's just with everyone's been thinking that scale is what makes the better open world game the mm. bigger the map the more mission tracking there that's right. what makes a good game is it just like i feel like the only one that's done it recently is god of war that's like let's just make a it's still big but like a way smaller map than everyone else has and just fill it with shit right like yeah i, I wouldn't is even that, really is that what you do I wouldn't really like I wouldn't really call God of War an open world game. I mean technically I guess it is because yeah you can go wherever you want but at the same time 
every decision you make for where you want to go to, it's tied to a certain like storyline or side mission or something. And it's still a linear path. Like you don't really have freedom in it to actually go wherever you want. You, you just follow certain lines essentially through the map, right? And because of that, like that's the great thing. It makes people feel like they're playing maybe an open world game, but they're really not. And because it is a linear game, developers have just the ability to actually put more polish into that, you know, because you're just going to be walking one specific road, like they're going to be able to tie that experience completely and the pacing will be much more on point. Uh, the gameplay in general in God of War is super smooth. So that's, you know, one of the qualities. And because it's linear, it's more story driven. There's more, there's the ability to have like actual set pieces and stuff. I mean, how many open world games do you see that can have the types of set pieces that a God of War has or an Uncharted where you fly out of a plane or something like that? You know, open world games don't really have that. And it's for the reason that, you know, they can't, uh, they can't really control what you're going to do. So I think it's more, you know, it's, it's more of a general thing. Like one, one of the flaws of open world design in general um, that, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it depends on what you're into. You know, I understand that some people are more into open world games and that's cool. Everybody has their own preferences. But for me, I just, I enjoy the linear experiences more. Yeah, I think I, I think I was always open world, but it wasn't until like I didn't get I didn't have a PS3 at all. Mm. I was an, I've always been an Xbox guy. I'm still mm. an Xbox guy, but there's not you're not going to hear me arguing that Xbox One's better than the PS4. PS4 is wins and yeah. deserves deservedly so. I know that they have all the best games right now, but I'm still hoping and praying for an Xbox comeback. You know, like yeah. for a long period of time, Halo was my favorite mm. franchise until Halo Five, and now I hate everything. <laughs> in the world about xbox um it's just you know it is what it is but i remember when i got a ps4 the first thing i wanted to play was uncharted like that's the thing i keep hearing about uncharted uncharted, mm. uncharted. and i played all four uncharted games in the span of two weeks and like the best two weeks of my life oh yeah like, like- I, I oh i abs- absolutely adored it like it was that's definitely one of my top five favorite franchises of all time and uncharted mm-hmm. 4 is in my in my top 10 games of all time mm-hmm. I, I thought the whole franchise was tremendous and getting to pl- i've never gotten to play a whole franchise like that just in a binge you know the first game to the fourth game in you know back to back to back to back it was yeah it was tremendous and then i got to play you know the other sony exclusive that i never played i played the last of us and then you know horizon zero dawn God of War, Spider-Man, PS4, you know, there's open world games in there. But I mm. think I realized that linear games, I think, are the best quality of games that, that I've played recently, mainly being like God of War. Essentially, God of War to me is my favorite game of all time now. Mm. Uh, I, I adore that game. But I always thought I was like an open world person until those games. But I'm now sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, what is it that... I need for an open world game to be good. Like I, I'm curious what you guys think. I just had the thought of maybe the best, most uh, revolutionary open world game in the last five years was Red Dead Redemption 2. And I mm. think that might be the next step in an open world game isn't about size and scale and scope. The next thing in open world games is, okay, if it's an open world role-playing game, it needs to be like real-life simulator. And that's what Red Dead Redemption 2 did. And I think that probably is the next step in terms of the next generation of consoles with technology. What do you guys think of that? Do you think it is like about the realism? I tell you what, you said about, yeah, the scale was where everyone was going, but I think what people miss a lot of the time is depth. I think that's what's most important with an open world game. I think you need to have that open world, but then I think you've got to make it deep. It can't be like a Ubisoft one where they're incredibly shallow. 
it's got to feel like there's depth there. You could have like a the open world doesn't even need to be that big. Like I mean, Red Dead Red Dead Redemption Two has a, a pretty big open world, but it doesn't need to be. Like you could have a much smaller map as long as there's a lot of depth there with characters and things that you can interact with and do. And like I mean, I mean, Red Dead Redemption Two I think pulls off pulls it off really well in terms of like it's it's pretty large scale it's not the biggest thing ever it's not like an assassin's creed odyssey but you know it's a pretty large scale map um but there's plenty to do and there's plenty of depth there and it feels incredibly realistic and i feel like that's something that open world games need because the whole point the whole reason people play games is to is you know it's like escapism so you want to feel like you're escaping to another world rather than just you know flicking on a game and it just it feels like you're playing a game which is what ubisoft always feels like you know you're going from objective to objective to objective just ch checking things off a list there's numbers spraying out of enemies when you do damage like it's just you're, you're very clearly playing a game just to pass the time Whereas a Red Dead Redemption Two, it feels like an experience. It feels like you're lost in a in a in a world, and it mm. might not have like you know the amount of side quests that a Ubisoft game has, but I think that the side quests they have have a lot of depth and a lot of character to them. And I think that's the key thing in making a good open world game is you got to we've got the scale down now. Like they can build massive open worlds, but what they got to figure out now is how do we write all of these side quests? How do we craft them? And how do we structure? How do we pace it so that it feels like there's a lot of depth to the world that you're experiencing. I think that's the key thing in moving forward with open world games. Yeah, like, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, if you're going to make an open world game, the focus or the reason why you would want to make an open world game is because what open worlds can do that linear games maybe don't do as well is that they really can create the sense of atmosphere and realism and indeed the feeling that you're like, actually part of this world you know what i mean like that's that's what it feels like when you play those games so and with red dead redemption like you said it's well first of all it's it's also much more story driven so that adds a lot of depth to it right like the characters are so deep and there's so much time you spent uh you know listening to conversations and actually again feeling immersed in this world that's the great thing about it and where you know yeah the the typical assassin's creed games like you know just boot up unity or whatever and check the map and you you see simply the amount of like chest icons which is basically the exact same thing over and over and over again you know they just put in hundreds of these chests for you to collect and they call it content but it's not it's just it's not content it's not it's not engaging it's not something you actually want to do you simply do it because oh you can and then i can get all you know i can get my money's worth quote unquote i, I don't know what that means but um when you compare that to Red Dead Redemption and you actually open up the map of Red Dead Redemption, it's not actually built with side objectives. You mainly just come across them in the world and you do whatever you feel like. It doesn't have, you know, it does have the collectibles if you want that, but it doesn't incentivize you or ask you to go for that. You can simply stick to the main game and to do what you want and you're still going to get a super deep experience. You know, it's still going to take you tens of hours to actually go through it. I had had my issues with Red Dead Redemption because I didn't really actually like I I thought it was a shame that certain auto features weren't as well worked out like the shooting is actually really outdated. Um but you know at the same time everything else it does I can really appreciate it. and I think it's totally one of the examples of like yeah this is what this is the new bar for open world games right if you're going to make it it's got to be something like this. Yeah, agreed. James, yeah. can I ask you a question? Did uh, the Odyssey music just play because someone made a donation? Did you not turn that off before the podcast started? Is no, everyone hearing did... as we're talking? <laughs> no, I just did it now. Is I it... just figured it out. That... <laughs> oh, God, I'm so sorry. It was just... That was so I didn't loud. Wanna, I didn't want to ruin the flow of it, um, but <laughs> I have a, my don one of my donation alerts is the, is the Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey theme, but like 
really loud here, right? Um, and so that just blared out. But I didn't want to ruin so, the flow so of the my whole story so didn't like, come across. Um, I think most of it did. I think it was just a slight <laughs> bit in the middle. I tried to, I tried my <laughs> best to combat that, but um, who made that donation? Finn plays. Hey, Finn plays. Don't. All he did was Don't. say Alexios or Cassandra. God oh. damn it, man. Okay, I, I turned off the donation alerts. I've saved it now. Okay, that won't happen yeah. again. I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, I was I'd... saying Assassin's Creed is the best franchise ever made. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is that's what I got from your story. That is actually what I got from your story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did have a question, and this is something I've just been thinking about uh, as I've been talking, which is, and it's up for debate. What what the I guess you can argue with what the casual fan wants, but I think it actually goes beyond. This is actually a deeper issue just in society, right? When you when you look at when we're arguing about quality, what's better and why. So you've got a game, and the best argument is between Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Red Dead Redemption 2, and what they fill their games with. Mm. It's it's about the reward system. And the reward system in any game in general is what does a game like Assassin's Creed or Ubisoft Titles reward uh, the players with? It rewards them with items. Like, you do a mission, you get an item. It doesn't matter what the mission is. It doesn't matter what you do. There's no, like you said, there's no substance to it. But at the end of it, you get, oh, I get money to spend a game, or I get this weapon, or I get this upgrade, or I level up. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. the reward system is something that is um, material. It's a material reward. uh, And people like material things. And when you have something like Red Dead Redemption 2, I think a far superior game in every way and the way it does it, it doesn't have a side mission where it's, oh, here's the icon, you go here and you get this gun at the end. Red Dead Redemption 2 rewards players with experience. It's not a, it's mm. not a material reward at all. And most linear games also don't... Some Obviously, there's elements to those material rewards because you kind of have to in a lot of ways to you know, get a better gun or something like that or you need it for a certain mission or God of War, obviously, this weapon changes and, and upgrades you need to go to a next level. But ultimately, it, the reward is the experience, not the material. So I guess there's the debate of what well, what's more important to fans in general. And I think this is what developers have to deal with. It's like, well, how do what kind of players do we want playing at games? Do we want the people that want the experience reward or do we want players that want the material reward how do you balance that and i feel like most of society love material shit and will accept material yeah. things without critical thinking therefore yeah. you can have a game like fortnite or you can have a game like assassin's creed odyssey that everyone jizzes their pants over and thinks it's the greatest game of all time but really they're that it, what it tells me actually a lot about that person in and what they're in, interested in and it's a material thing that's just what mm. i think I think that's a fair point. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it, again, it's just personal preference, and like everybody is allowed to like the games that they, of course, want to like and stuff. And I, I totally do get the appeal of, uh, even in Assassin's Creed nowadays, or like you know, Fortnite or whatever. I get the appeal of the, you know, of leveling up and of, uh, you know, customizing your character and stuff. I just personally don't find it um, engaging. Maybe it's because I've done it. You know, I've I've played games for a long time already. So it's sort of like, you know, it just gets old, like you've seen it at some point. And so what you're now really looking for, having played games for so long, is something that goes a little deeper. And so when a game, when a game comes along, it actually provides that. I mean, you, you, you see like, you see what you're missing out on or what other games are missing out on, I guess. Like, that, that's, that's exactly the type of situation that I'm in right now where I notice I play less games, actually, than, than I ever would before. Um, because there's just less stuff that that is still as appealing 
as what used to appeal to me back in the days. Back in the days, I'd play pretty much everything. Nowadays, if there's something that, that doesn't actually do something different or innovative or deep, then I don't really care about it that much. And so, you know, again, like I played, I think I played an hour of Odyssey, but I just put it down because uh, I just, you know, I still notice like, yeah, this is not the game that I personally want to play anymore. Uh, and again, no offense to people that still enjoy it. I completely understand that, but that's just my, you know, personal taste nowadays. Yeah, I, I find it exactly the same, eh? Like, I play way less games now than I ever have. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I find it hard to find time to play games at all. Like, I, I might play games once every... I've probably played my Xbox once this in the last month because mm. I've had nothing to play and I've got nothing I want to play. Uh, after I... You know, I, what was the last thing I played? I think, you know, Ubisoft sent me Far Cry New Dawn Code, played that did, just to do a review on it, and then did that you was beat it? it. And then I'm like... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I did. I, you know, it's so how do you think a Far Cry compares then? Uh, I feel like it's the same old, same old, like uh, it was yeah. a very same old structure. Far Cry knows what it is. Yeah. You know, like it knows what the players that play it want, which is to explore a world and just collect shit to mm. upgrade shit, to shoot stronger shit to get more shit and the story is just a backburner thing and really this you're only rewarded as a player that like story if you really commit yourself and play further in the story like the story gets it gets okay like it goes from like literally inconsequential like it doesn't matter at all to mm -hmm. halfway through all of a sudden it's like no the story matters now and it's actually important mm -hmm. and so it kind of ha tries to have this weird balance of if you don't care about story, you're just here to play and sink some hours into, we're going to allow you to do that from the second you pretty much turn on the game. Uh, but if you're interested in story, you're going to really have to work work for it if you want to get it sort of thing. So that's what I kind of felt like. It was average. It was like an average yeah. 5 out of 10 sort of experience for yeah. me. Yeah, it was but nothing. It didn't do anything new. That's what I don't understand then because these games, well, New Dawn actually got rated uh, not that high. But like Far Cry 5, I mean, it's basically the same thing, you know. Uh, like I really enjoyed Far Cry 3 back in the days, right? At that point, again, the Ubisoft open-world formula still felt fresh and it didn't really, it wasn't the same thing over and over again yet. Um, but if you just, like, you compare something like Far, Far Cry 5 on Metacritic still, I think, scored over an 80. It's a ridiculous, in my opinion, that's just a ridiculous score because it doesn't do anything that honestly makes it deserve that the story isn't that great the gameplay isn't that great it just has that loop that people like you know the loop that gets them addicted of yeah like you said collecting stuff and shooting shit you know it's like a game you play yeah. because you can but there's nothing about it that tells me that that's a game that should deserve to be rated an 80 nowadays so i think it i don't even know what it was i think it was something like an 80 or an 85 even um that's, that's insane like it's like you play something like god of war nowadays and I'm like, well, it doesn't even compare. Why don't people see that? <laughs> I just don't. Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't, I don't understand it either. Yeah, that is crazy. It's either. a thing as well, like with with Far Cry. I feel like Ubisoft looked at. I mean, Far Cry Three to me, I can still play that today and have a good time. I mean, I think some things are dated, like the open world, but I think that there was a lot more depth to the story and and the characters of that world than there is in recent Far Cry games. It's almost like Ubisoft looked at, oh, what if Far Cry? What if people love Far Cry Three? Let's take everything other than the depth that was in the game in terms of the story and characters and mm -hmm. let's just let's just copy and paste the gameplay because i mean far cry 4 far cry 5 primal i'm assuming new dawn i haven't played it is pretty much the same <laughs> in terms of its structure of open world it's just missing yeah. that uh, there's something that the far cry 3 story had that i think kept me hooked i really, I right. really liked that um but maybe that's just because they're doing it over and over again maybe that's why 
Um, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a tough thing to understand. The video game industry is so strange at the moment <laughs> in terms of like what the de- in in terms of the business. I mean, like the audience is very easy to read right now. I mm. feel like you know with oh, with totally. what's going on um, with you know uh, games as a service, what's going on with what's the big craze in Fortnite and and these you know battle royale games. Like very easy to read. It's more interesting reading the business side of it and and in a lot of ways it's very frustrating to try to look and analyze the business side of it with the whole you, you know lot very political obviously always has mm. been and the need for representation again you you actually i was watching a video on it as well robin the mm. that you did a video essay on the desire for representation mm. in games and that's a whole other business side of it that, that's coming. That's that crosses over to all of pop culture currently with with movies and TV shows and all media as well. But I find that you know going forward, what is it that developers are looking to achieve? Like in the next generation of consoles, there's a whole new step in what types of games are going to come out. And and as and you can kind of see, I think the big thing is with remasters at the moment. There's a big thing going on. There's, you know, remasters have been a thing for a while, but they're becoming more and more frequent because developers are buying into nostalgia. And that's something I think you've seen with something like a Netflix, which you see what types of shows are always on Netflix that really – what are the most watched shows on Netflix? It's like Friends, The Office, you know, nostalgia yeah. shows. They're not the brand new content. Like Stranger Things isn't the most watched show on Netflix. It's, yeah, Friends and Seinfeld or – yeah. The Office, and with remasters, developers are like able to say they remastered it by re-rendering a game and getting a team to kind of do some little texture upgrades for it, and then they can re-release it at a full game price. Well, and people I actually, buy them. I actually feel like remasters have kind of, uh, I mean, the direction they've been going into has been positive for me because at you know at the beginning of the generation, yeah, there were a bunch of remasters coming out for all these games that like. People, you know, well, the thing is they were marketed towards people that missed out on on them, but you still saw a bunch of people basically buying the same game twice, right? Which, you know, understandable if you enjoy the game, of course. But for example, uh, on your end, I mean, if you've been an Xbox gamer all the time, like it's understandable that they wanted to remaster all these games on, on PS4 because a lot of PS4 owners didn't even own a PS3. So they missed out on a bunch of these franchises like Uncharted and, uh, you know. You, you, I think you you're right. I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's it's something people have targeted and jumping on that kind of crosses over from like uh, you want to look at TV and things like that. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. What do people want? Nostalgia is always something yeah, people true. can jump on. True, and it's not always a think, bad thing. I do think that recently they've been going in a better direction because now you see that remakes are becoming a thing more, like actual remakes where time well, and effort has been put in. Remakes are totally into. different. I'm yeah. all for remakes. Yeah, I'm exactly, all for yeah. remakes. Yeah, it's it's remasters that I'm, I question sometimes because some of them are, there's some yeah. good remasters out there, but then there are some ones that you're like, well, this was just lazy. You, I'm, I'd rather you really. just I'd, I'd rather you just call it the, what the game was called and re-release. Like they they didn't they didn't call like Uncharted the Nathan Drake collection of Uncharted the remastered Uncharted one remastered. Mm. You know what I mean? That's they didn't sell it like that. They said here's the Nathan Drake collection so you can play all the Uncharted games on PS4. That's what it was. You know, yeah, yeah, but but they sold the Ezio collection, calling Assassin's Creed Two remastered, and I was like, well, I I guess so, but was it really? 
It's sort of you know what I mean. Pretty good to be fair. AC two is pretty. Is it? Would you call AC two pretty good remaster? Yeah, I don't know, man. If you look at if you look at the comparison between the first one, between the original and the and the remaster, I I think it's I think it's pretty good. Like I I love what would you say? What what would you say is better? Do you reckon Assassin's Creed 3's newest remaster that came out last week? Do you think that's a better remaster than two's, or is two a better? It depends because I think in terms of just base gameplay, so like you just you know you're in the open world running around and shit. I think AC3's is probably better, but then as a whole, I mean, AC3 really, really fucked the the cutscenes, and it just it looks horrible. Like it's but don't both bad. remasters um, even still play in thirty frames? Um, yeah, they do. That's 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 a fair point. Um, which I see, I can't call that a good remaster strange. if you because you can't even like... make a PS3 game in like in sixty frames now on the PS4. That's that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, I don't I mean, even understand how this game's true. run at thirty. Um, that's that's typical Ubisoft though. I guess being lazy. I mean, because they've upscaled them. Like they they all run at four K at least on the Xbox One X. Um, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it's very strange that they don't run at sixty. Um, because I don't think it should <laughs> be too difficult to do. Um, yeah, and I did say that whilst I was playing through. I'm like, it's a bit weird that it's not. But I don't know, man. Um, I, I didn't realize three right. wasn't sixty frames. I assumed it no, had to be. No, no. Neither to, you know what I mean to release it. It was rogue, I don't think, and that was basically just a port. Like, but it, they did. They were like, no, we don't. Let's not even make this run at sixty. Like, we don't need it. I don't yeah, know. rogue was not a remaster. They just no, ported it over. It, it literally just ported it over. It was, and they called it a remaster. That's the worst remaster. I've like, ever seen. it looked the same graphics upgrade as when they re- just released Black Flag. On current gen and next gen at uh, the same time. I don't think it look as good. I, don't, I think it's. I think it. I don't think. I think Black Flag looks better. Like I think it, it definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I don't, I don't know. It's so. Creed. What the fuck, man? I don't, yeah. this again? <laughs> fuck sake, every time. Um. Well, you know, you're an AC YouTuber, James. Oh, what do you? Yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. So sorry. Let's talk about Assassin's Creed Kingdom. No, let's not do that, please. Let's do yeah. anything else. Yeah, we will later. Don't worry about it, James. Hey, Vikings, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know what? Let's, Let's get into it. No, now. <laughs> I'm so upset. You've ruined my day. Uh, oh, bear with this, Robert. This is James is going to cry about this for a while. No, that's all right. But um, you know, I guess one of the major topics this week is the next Assassin's Creed setting oh, has officially been. Has officially been revealed and leaked. Hey, and I don't have said, much to add to this conversation. So, uh... <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I, I'll ask you some questions. Don't worry, you'll, you'll have something to say. I'm sure. Um, Jason Schreier, uh, a game journalist from Kotaku, has accurately leaked and revealed the settings of Assassin's Creed: Full Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Unity, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Assassin's Creed Origins, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. When he's he knows what the next games are. When he can when he comes out and confirms them. You can pretty much take that to the bank that that's what's happening. And he didn't with all the Rome stuff coming out. I was so sure. I'm shocked that the next game in 2020 is Vikings. But that's what Jason Schreier's reporting thanks to the Division 2 having an Easter egg with a Viking holding an apple of Eden from Assassin's Creed. So it's quite bizarre. But here we are. Um, Assassin's Creed Kingdom, supposedly the code name. It'll be called something else, of course, when it's revealed. Um, the only thing we don't know is what studios developing it we can make assumptions um but yeah james three, right? what if what okay what so you think in three years from the end of 2017 the origins team 
Ashraf's team, Montreal well, yeah, three. Well, three is going to make about it. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I think. Are you, <laughs> are you got me a bit concerned. That... Um... I'm like, you've got Ashraf's team that in three years it takes longer and longer and longer this standage to make good games. Yeah, it doesn't. Saw... It's it's not short, and three years. <laughs> To make, not just, oh, we're making a Rome game with the same assets so we can make and focus on stories and don't have to worry about remaking the gameplay and everything. They're making the, a next-gen game in a completely new setting and time period. They're going to have to build new assets and everything from the ground up. And it's Vikings. Three years, I don't think, is enough time. No, I, I agree. I don't understand really what's going on unless it's another studio. But, I mean... I'm pretty sure they said, didn't they? You know, I'm, I, I keep saying this, and I can't find the source. Dude, um, oh, you do. You I keep saying it. Keep I keep saying it. I don't know true. where I got it, but I know I got it from somewhere. Um, I did just make it up. But the the sure. the they the the only two studios now prime like the two primary studios are Quebec and Montreal Three, um, which could be a lie that I've made up, but I don't think that <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we can assume it's definitely not Quebec. Um, and it, I guess it, the, the the only other option really is that it's Montreal 3. The only other studio that makes any sense would be, like, Montreal 1, but I don't think that exists anymore. And Montreal 2 hasn't made a game since AC3. It, there's no way it's Sophia. Like, that's just a side studio. There's no way they've, like, made a whole, the next, next-gen main Assassin's Creed game, and that's just really strange that they haven't given them a huge amount of time to make this game. Do, do you think potentially though that jason schreier maybe has got things a little bit mixed up and that the the information that we had that we reported on kill Connor club at that time is maybe more true and maybe the next maybe the next game isn't vikings maybe the next game is rome and then 2021 is vikings and things have got a bit mixed up there yeah well, well cause, yeah because the thing is the report that we heard was that yeah vikings was a setting that was going to happen but that's what ashraf team was focusing on in 2021 next gen only game and the game before that was going to be Rome, made by Sophia. Is that possible? Or do you think it's possible that Jason Schreier, because he says from two independent sources that he's heard this, but that doesn't mean that he knows everything that's going on. He doesn't you know, go in the studio and they tell him everything. He gets people that are working on specific things that tell him. Yes, I'm certain they're making a Vikings game if he says that, 100%. But is it possible, potentially? I think it's also possible they do a Unity Rogue thing again, where Sophia makes a Rome game that releases on current gen and Ashraf's team makes um, the next gen only game, which is the Vikings game. That's possible too. I wouldn't put it past them making two games at the same time again and releasing them in the same day. Yeah, I said that as well. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, we saw what happened with Unity. Um, I'd, it'd be unfortunate if Ashraf's team had to release a, a Unity situation where it's just not finished. I mean, could you imagine Ubisoft getting into that again and fucking up that bad? Again? I can, like, I can imagine that. They I definitely yeah, can no, imagine yeah, that again. Yeah, no, you're I right. I can yeah. easily imagine that yeah, again. They definitely yeah, yeah. could do that. It but doesn't. That would be it doesn't so make bad. much thought at all. Like they, re- like it's like they just forget about everything they've done wrong. It's like they were so like fucked up over Unity. They were like, okay this is bad let's give syndicate to quebec and then let's get have a have a year break and let's figure this out and reinvent the whole franchise and imagine they just fucking go and do it again and just release another broken horrible game i don't know i don't know why we still talk about this which which setting would you uh, like to see the most um, like just the one yeah I think I've always like people have been screaming question. for a Japan setting for so long. I feel they never did that, right? Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not even super into that. I mean, we have got Ghost of Tsushima coming out, which yeah. I'm, I'm confident will be heaps better than Assassin's Creed could ever do. 
Um, For sure. Same with God yeah, of War. That, I don't think I don't think this Vikings game is going to be a better Norse setting than no, God of War. Did. <laughs> oh my God, definitely. Yeah, not. that's that's a problem as well. Um, and so I mean, I guess the saying though, I've always wanted for an Assassin's Creed. I'd love to explore like medieval England. I think that'd be great. I, just... uh, I, I huh. was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. That sounds cool. I yeah. think and yeah yeah uh, that nice sort of time period isn't really being done well. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. that's probably the way to go right like and it's not like you said there's god of war that's doing the norse setting um and probably for the you know foreseeable future for the next couple of god of war games and then you've got it goes to shishima that's going to do feudal japan better than assassin's creed could ever do it so yeah i mean they could do feudal japan and sell the shit out of it though and same with this viking games they're going to sell a shitload of copies of this vikings game so like there's no there's no concern about whether it's going to work for them but in terms of what would be a good setting that isn't being done and they could kind of make a mark on like they've made a mark on sort of ancient egypt that you know not not really other games are doing it right now yeah it's probably medieval england knights castles yeah. You could do so much with that, especially with the current generation. Sure, you did that medieval Middle Age sort of era with Assassin's Creed One, but it was so early on in the um, in the development of the franchise and in open world games. You could just do so much more with that sort of era now in a different setting. The issue is right. So, do you think with this being a next gen game? I mean, they did it when they went to Origins and stuff. Um, do you think they'll look at the the sort of games industry as it is now and be like, right, what can we do with Assassin's Creed moving forward? Or do you think they'll just be like, fuck it, let's just make another Odyssey? <laughs> Probably the latter. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes, yeah, that's what I think. Because the issue is as well, though, like Far Cry 5 outsold Odyssey, right? Which exactly. Is crazy like ubisoft is just way too comfortable with their current formula like i think my problem is not so much with like i mean my problem just as well lies with the gamers that in my opinion have just set the standard too low by constantly accepting the exact same thing over and over again so to me it's not so much about like oh i want this or this setting or whatever i just hope that assassin's creed or ubisoft in general renews itself a bit like you know, again, you take God of War as, as an example, and you, you look at the original trilogy and what type of games those were, and then you compare the new God of War to that. They did a complete 180 and tried something completely different with that franchise, and they pulled it off amazingly well, and it worked out for the series as well. Like, it sold better than ever before, I think, too. It, it was rated just as high, so... You know, I hope that they th that you can do so much more with the Assassin's Creed franchise, and I may be stepping on some toes of you know people that still like those games and want them to basically just keep going in the same way they've been going. But to me, it would be great if they used the franchise to do something different because the setting itself is amazing. I mean, the whole concept of the assassins and stuff like that's obviously still you know a, a great a great setting. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just what I hope. But I don't see that happening because, you know, Ubisoft has been doing this for like 10 years already. So why step off of it now? Yeah, exactly. Especially because these games are still selling better than ever before. So Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think, it could, I mean, with this next one, I think it could go either way. I think that they could look at it like, oh, Odyssey didn't perform as well as the previous Assassin's Creed game. So maybe we should change things up. Or they can look at it like everyone rated this game so fucking high for some reason. Let's just do that again. Um, hmm. Which sound, it seems more likely because I mean there's a lot less effort involved in that and they can they can churn them out quicker so I'm not expecting anything I mean like because they can every time they reveal a new setting I'm like that's a great setting for a good game but they don't make good games so um, I don't know I'm not hoping for much from this next game to be honest I mean if it's uh, Ashraf's team I, I do like what he puts out I, you know Black Flag and then Origins are two of my favorite games I love them but um 
So if yeah, I mean, I think Ashraf's if... team, then I, I, you know, I, I'd be intrigued. Um, but who knows where they're going to go with this? Especially given that the, if it's coming next year, like that's not a lot of time to develop a whole next gen game and everything. So who knows? Yeah. Well, it would, it would have to come out on both, to be honest. So it's not going to be fully next gen. You think that's what they'll do? Ubisoft, like yeah, because thing? yeah, because not. There's no way in the world Ubisoft are gonna release a game only on the new console yeah. that only what a million people have each. Yeah. When there's like tens of millions of the other consoles, there's no way they're gonna neglect the majority of the market just to support a new console from the start. There's no way that happens. They'll will release it on that's both. It. Like, that's like, the thing. That's why it makes way more sense to me that this is... It's got to be a 2021 game, and they're doing a different game. Like Because remember when Black Flag came out? That was the crossover period. The Xbox One came out the same around the same time Black Flag came out, and they released Black Flag on the 360 and the Xbox One and PS3 and PS4. And then the next year, we got Unity, which was fully next-gen, which makes way, it's way more se- makes way more sense to do it that way. So why would they not do mm-hmm. that again, you know, next year, release your, your Rome game on, you know, Xbox One and then whatever the next Xbox is and, you know, PS4 and PS5. And then 2021, you have your full next-gen game, like they did with Unity. Um, gives everyone a lot more time, and Ubisoft get their money. Um, so everyone's happy. Uh, except for me. <laughs> I'll be unhappy. <laughs> But, you know, who knows? <laughs> Can I ask you then, what is the reason that you're so down on Assassin's Creed now? Like, what did those other games do so well that now the recent ones haven't done well? Oh, man. We lore and story. Lore, yeah. yeah, lore and story, man. Yeah, is like, it really like a story thing? Okay. Well, yeah, it's mostly a, a lore thing more than anything, man, because the thing we love about Assassin's Creed was, you know, what got me into the franchise was Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. Like, I played the first one and I liked it, but it wasn't like changed my life until Assassin's Creed 2 and that Ezio trilogy were, was the peak of the franchise for me in terms of it was about the story and it was about the lore and the philosophy of the assassins versus the Templars there was a yeah. modern day overarching narrative that happened and then Assassin's Creed 3 I didn't like the story I didn't like this character we played as I didn't like the setting of the American Revolution and then they kind of killed the overarching modern day narrative and did a terrible job with it rushed it ended it and then from then on they kind of forgot about any overarching narrative, just focused on new characters every single game, a new setting every single year, and there was nothing really to get invested in. And then the more games that started pumping out, the more different writers that put their hands in it, the more teams mm-hmm. they started getting developing it, all of a sudden the lore was contradicting itself, the philosophies were contradicting themselves, the story made no sense anymore, they were just retconning things and then adding Throwing new things. things that, comic books and doing novels yeah, here and yeah, there, t- like... Not not finishing like the storyline that ended the modern day in Assassin's Creed Three of Desmond was setting up this demigod Juno that came back to the world in which they were doing for years really smallly in modern day elements in these Unity Syndicate, and then they just were like, oh, we can't be bothered finishing it, so they put it in a comic and stopped addressing it in the games altogether. So that's three games of like kind of modern day development that was set up from the main old games that they just ignored. Yeah, and I think the main issue with this isn't so much that, like, so in in the newest game in Odyssey, like, with the newest quest and some DLCs and stuff, they they did some, like, little things here and there that would, I guess would be count as fan service, but the issue is mainly that when you... Because I've been playing the game since they came out in 2007, and, you know, the teams that were working on them back then with the first game <laughs> and with the Ezio trilogy were so passionate about what they were doing, and they cared so much about the small things, about, like, the little details, the subtleties of the Mm. story and the lore. Like, they cared so much, and that made me care so much. And so, you know, you can release a game these days, and if things don't line up so well, I mean, it's sort of like, ah, who cares, the story's good. But 
it, when you're doing that now in a franchise that is has the foundations of a strong narrative with really strong lore and caring about all of the little things, when you stop doing that all of a sudden, it's it's worse because the whole base of the franchise was that, and then you've just taken that away and tried to do something entirely different that, I mean, we don't like. So, and and it's a fucking mess. But you know, it's just it's just yeah, it's just all those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is just mainly the problem they ran into with the sequelization. Like, you know, as as much as people gave flack to the whole modern-day storyline back in the days with the, the original trilogy or whatever, I mean, there was still an idea behind it, right? Like, they had this concept in mind from the beginning. Like, this is where we're going to go with that. Mm. So it, it just it felt worked out better. And now you just see, like, it's just they're making another game and then another game and then another game. And, like, they keep... You know, they just throw out the window certain ideas that they used to have back in the days or what kind of formed this Assassin's Creed identity. Um, you know, yeah. And it's just the same thing over and over again in a different setting. Like, Yeah, well, there is no identity anymore. Like, it used to be when we were talking about, oh, the next Assassin's Creed, what did we want out of it? We're a bit down in the franchise. What do we want? Well, we want the lore to connect. Mm-hmm. We want an overarching narrative. We want a character right. that's in multiple games again where, like with Origins, we all wanted that Bayek sequel. Why are we throwing away these great characters we're invested in now and then it's just a new character that shit the next year or maybe is average or, you know, you just don't know. why You've got this great character. You've got options. Why not continue their story? Now, after Odyssey, I'm sitting here going, I really hope we play as mm, an assassin in the next game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I just want to play as an assassin in Assassin's Creed. And it's better than Odyssey at that point to me. That's all I want. There's an Assassin's Creed, and I play as an assassin, a part of that assassin order, and yeah, then you're better than Odyssey life, yeah. to me. That's, that's all you need. That's literally all you need for me to be better than Odyssey. It's like making an Uncharted game without the treasure hunting. That'd be pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncharted, but it's, yeah, it's about... it's not Uncharted at all. God of War without gods, yeah. Yeah, just fucking retarded. Yeah, it's so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's a a Star Wars movie without Jedi or lightsabers or the Force. Mm. So the solid. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe they've made Odyssey specifically so our expectations are so fucking low that all they have to do is put assassins in a game and we'll be happy with it. That's what they're doing. Uh, it's all a ploy, but I don't know. The Quebec just aren't very good at making games, to be honest. They've <laughs> had two cracks at it. Uh, both are bad, so um, I don't know. But they're gonna. Keep Which was the one before Odyssey then? Uh, Quebec made Syndicate and Odyssey. Oh, okay. And some. Yeah, I never played that one. They made some bad DLCs as well along the way. Um, I feel like, again, people did say they liked Syndicate, though, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, People said they liked all of them. People liked (laughs) every single one. So, you know, I don't fucking know. Yeah. People like dumb shit. You know what I mean? Like, look, what's the biggest game in the world today? It's not God of War. It's not even Red Dead Redemption 2. It's Fortnite. Yeah. You know? So, you know... People are dumb. People are stupid. It's just kind of the way it is, you know? (laughs) There's also, like, you know, people that, I don't know, believe in fairies in the sky or the Earth's flat. So it's it's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to break it to you. Okay. We okay, okay. We've got, we're going to, okay. This podcast is going to get deep. So um, (laughs) there's this thing called gravity. And now, you know, (laughs) I didn't discover it, but, uh, No, I know. It's a misconception. Um, you told me but, about it, so I, th- I always thought you'd create it, yeah. Created yeah, no, it wasn't. 
I created you're gravity. God. You're the god. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am. The fuck I am. About? What is this? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how he delved this far deep. In it. But to to go back a bit further, I am curious with with this Viking setting. My main question is the thing Assassin's Creed that not necessarily in the games that I like because they you know it's a hit and miss. But in terms of when we talk about it, it brings up history, and I love history. And whether the games nail it or not, we get to kind of discuss it before the game comes out. Um, I don't know a huge amount about Vikings history, but I am curious if you guys know anything at all, what sort of time periods or what sort of things would you want to see in a Vikings game that, that, or whether it's historically or just, um, culturally or locations, I don't know. What would be interesting? I really don't care. I don't want Vikings, so I don't, (laughs) this doesn't matter to me. I don't know. Yeah, to me, it's barely about the setting anyway. Like, you know, if if they, I don't know, like, it depends what they do with it, but it's probably going to be cool. But, I mean, to me, it's more about, like, yeah, I'm probably not going to play it anyway, because I just don't really play the Ubisoft games anymore. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how about they make a well, good game? That's what I want. Give me a good story, yeah. and then I'll love it. Give uh, me an assassin, and then I'll it. Give me love- a bit of an assassin, yeah. That'd be nice. Maybe a Templar here and there. There you go. <sighs> Good Dude, stuff. don't don't ask. You're asking for too much. You're asking for way too much. <laughs> Imagine That's... they put a hidden blade in the next one. Dude, you're really getting crazy know, right now. Putting a hidden blade in an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> Templars and Assassins? What? Dude, crazy stuff. you're asking for three scoops of ice cream in your cone right now, and it's about to tip over, mate. It's about to fucking tip over. That's what's happening right now. Oh, um man. But in terms of games we will play then in the future, if it's not going to be Assassin's Creed Kingdom with Vikings, um, I did want to talk about Next Gen and just have a bit of fun, speculation, discussion about what are the games that are coming that... Uh, we will talk about The Last of Us Part Two because people have been begging us in the chat to talk about that. Oh, God. But for Next Generation, what are the games that stand out to us that we cannot wait for? So I guess we'll start with we, Rob games with we know nothing about. I want to hear you first. I want to hear you two first. Okay, okay. I mean, okay, okay. Well, f- for me personally, the number one is the Elder Scrolls Six. Oh, that's my Ooh. that's my number one next gen game that we know it's next gen for sure. Oh, um, that, though, like I'm super worried about that because Bethesda yeah, have that's not been be. they've been like a, on a fucking downward spiral recently. So I'm more worried than anything. I'm like that can kind of stay in development forever, actually, if you want. Uh, did you hear that they're still going to use the old engine? Yeah, I did hear about that. Uh, That's ridiculous. Not Absolutely ridiculous. Not a fan of that. Um, I made a video on that, and everyone was like, uh, actually, you don't know anything about this? Uh, is, uh, uh, fucking, I don't know. Just stop using old engines, Bethesda. Come on, let's sort this out. We need to reinvent. This is ridiculous. That engine needs an upgrade. It needed an upgrade already five years ago. So Yeah, uh, yeah it was dated when they released Skyrim. Like, that was, you know, it was... Yeah. I feel like Skyrim was like the better. last... It was like, oh, you've done everything with it now. It was like, yeah, fair exactly. enough, you use it for Skyrim, it. You but you Let's stop. Yeah. Oh no, you're gonna release Fallout Four and then Fallout Seventy Six. Okay, and then Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six. Okay, you're gonna keep. Yeah, going that's with you. It. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what you do there, uh, Bethesda. I don't know. See, that's why I'm so worried about it because I don't, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Although I would love Elder Scrolls Six, and when I saw that fucking trailer for it, I was so hyped. Should um, we jizz our pants? Yeah, man. that was like insane. on the live stream. We it were was, like, it was mountains and words on a screen, it, and we lost our mind. But, and it was the best thing of E3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, it's yeah. If it's a good game, then yeah, I'm super hyped for it. But if I'm looking at it logically, I guess I'm more worried than anything. 
Yeah. That's what okay. I would do. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm just, you know, Skyrim at the time was my probably number one game. It was, it, I mean, it was my my favorite game at the time. Yeah, it was. And I, I'm just hoping for them to step it up again. I just, But I also love the world. Like, as much as people hate The Elder Scrolls Online, I loved it as much as I hate MMOs. Well, I don't hate MMOs. I'm not big into MMOs because I don't have a thousand hours in my life to play video games. Um, but I love the universe. Like, I love Tamriel. I love the world. And it was just kind of fun to explore it and stuff with the characters and the lore of the, of the universe. Mm. So that's what I like about it. So I'm I kind of am excited for Elder Scrolls Six in the sense of I want to explore a, a new part of Tamriel with stories and you know, uh, you know, in RPG style. So uh, yeah, there's things I'm worried about for sure. You guys are right, but I don't know. There's the things I love about Elder Scrolls is, is it's a universe. So I'm just I love getting going back into that world. Yeah, I mean I do mm. agree, but also if it looks like it came out in 2011 when it comes out, then I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, it needs to be then really like this should have been the game where they're like right let's build a whole new engine for this game and develop it properly and it's going to be like a huge game changer that really should have been their goal going into it because bethesda always tried to push themselves and make the best games that they could now i just don't really know what they're doing um i mean who knows i guess i guess when they really starfield that'll be an indication of where elder scroll 6 will be because you know we'll get to see exactly what they're doing in terms of development when that game is at least shown or but when it comes out you get to experience it and be like okay it will give you a good indication of whether Elder Scrolls Six is going to be good or whether we should be worried. Uh, so I guess we just got to wait and see what they're doing. But hopefully they figure it out. And what yeah. else then? A boss from uh, Elder Scrolls? Um, there is Cyberpunk 2033 next gen, or is that current gen? 77, but that'll be current gen, right? 27, yeah, oh, whatever right. it is. I, is we that, were... what's 2033? Is that, was that a Star Wars thing? I don't know. No, that was Metro. Or is that nothing? Metro, oh, Metro. Yeah, 2033, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, that's where I got that. I'm like, I feel like there was something that was 2033. Call yourself an um, epic gamer, what is this? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not a CD Projekt Red fangirl, so I don't really no, care. I'm not going to play Cyberpunk. Yeah, I played The Witcher 2, and I thought it was Okay, that's not the same average. thing, though, is it? That's not the... I thought it was average. The Witcher 2 I'm not going to play the third game in a franchise when I didn't like the franchise before. Oh, like, And I don't know the story so at all, upsetting. man. You're really upsetting me today. This Look, to... the Witcher, look the Witcher, both Witcher 1 <laughs> just today. are great games. Yeah, just today. It's a, yeah, only today. The Witcher 3 is so... I'm not going to get into it. We're not talking about The Witcher 3. That will be here forever. Um... What were we talking about? Oh, is Cyberpunk. That, is, Cyberpunk, is that next gen or is that current gen? That'll be current gen. Both. Surely. No, it's going to be both. It's going to be like, I think it's going to be a 2020 game. It's going to be released on both, you know, PS4 and PS5. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, so it won't be like a designed for next gen type game. Though. Yeah, exactly. Like Assassin's Creed 4, that situation. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does that count um, then? Not really. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, not really. I'll tell not you what really. is going to be a next-gen game only, um, and that is uh, Halo Infinite. Ah, uh, yeah. Is it really? Probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it will be. And it's a genius move by Xbox. And as an Xbox fanboy, uh, I, I've been <laughs> advocating this from the beginning. Halo 5 was abysmal. In fact, one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. Robin, if you'd, be, I've never been. Every, I can't even bring it up. Like whenever Halo Five is brought up, I go into a rage. It is my trigger. But Halo Infinite 
is the fresh start. And as a business and as a as a person that wants Xbox to succeed, for even if it's just because I'm an Xbox fanboy, but also for the fact that it'll then help PlayStation succeed in the future. Because you need competition. If PlayStation just dominate, they'll get end up getting complacent, and then none of us get good games. Yeah. You need there to be healthy competition. Yeah. I've been saying this. The fact the Xbox One was so mishandled for so many reasons that we could get into. But one main one was games, exclusive mm. games that were good. PlayStation didn't have it straight away, but they ended up nailing it again. They have the Uncharted right. Last of Us, God of War. Halo Infinite is apparently confirmed Xbox One. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. but that's the They're thing. Wrong. Microsoft is going They're in wrong. that direction where they want everything to be just like, uh, you know, they don't really want to have a generation anymore and then like people are tied to the games coming out on that platform or whatever. Like all these games are going to still. Well, a lot of these games are probably still going to work on your Xbox One, or vice versa, at least. All the Xbox One games will still work on a new Xbox. So Pro Halo Infinite will probably be the same case where, like, it's just been developed with both in mind. Uh, it's going to come out on both, I guess, like both Xbox One. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be a 2020 game. Yeah. It'll be a 2020 yeah. game. And I think the thing is, um, it'll... Uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said it'll knock on an Xbox One as much as I say. It'll be a launch title for the X next Xbox. It'll be the launch title in 2020 for the next Xbox, which I have to because what's the point in buying? I mean, if it was me, if I was Xbox, I would actually say fuck my audience because I've already said fuck my audience enough. You you want a Halo Infinite, you buy a new console. But it's mm. going to be on Windows 10 anyway because they need a console cell. They had no console cell. They, re they released one new Halo this whole generation. That was Halo 5. I mean, Halo Wars 2 if you count that, but like mainline Halo game, Halo 5 Guardians. And it sold average you know for halo it sold okay but it didn't do anything for the console like it didn't help sell the console push the console because the game got you know so much flat you know fan backlash and even though the reviews are pretty decent for whatever reason mm. and now you've got this new console coming out you have to have a halo to launch it you like you have to have a title that you're like Yes, we're releasing a new console. Here's a game you can get on this new console. It's a new Halo. Like, they didn't have anything with the Xbox One. And Halo 5 Guardians came out, what, two years after their Xbox One? Like, it took two years for an Xbox to get a Halo game. That's ridiculous. Mm. To me... I mean, I don't mind it as long as they put enough polish into it then, but it seems but people didn't so really like five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I they, don't mind personally. There's a like three-year gap between four and five. If yeah. you're looking at it from like a business standpoint, it's super weird they they launched the next Xbox without a Halo launch title. Well, yeah, that's, that's really true. Yeah, from like a Microsoft standpoint, like I don't mind. I'll wait as long as I need to for good games. But that is strange. Um, I mean, but what's the point? So if Halo Infinite is, if you if you're saying it's going to be a launch title for the next Xbox, but it's also going to be an Xbox One, what good does that really do for the next Xbox if they're just releasing it on both? Well, to the hardcore fans, sure. But when they're putting ads for the new Xbox on the TVs for the general audience, they're going to be able to put Halo in and Master Chief on the ad. And that yeah, is actually pretty massive marketing-wise. When you have billboards and you have this new Xbox, you put Master Chief next to it. Everybody knows who Master Chief is that plays games for the last 20 years, you know? Yeah. True. So it's, it's more it's of a marketing tool. the same thing with the Switch tool. releasing with Zelda. You have to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to. Yeah, if they, if you have nothing else, you have to have that. As well, like Infinite's going to look better on the next Xbox as well. Obviously, even if it's only like a small, a small amount. 
uh, similar to I guess the, the the previous jump in in consoles was you know if they did cross plat like cross cross generation games where you'd have them on the 360 and on the Xbox One, the you know the Xbox One would look better even if it was only a little bit. Um, so I guess that's also a, a selling point. But yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Um, everyone keeps saying that it's on the Xbox One, so thanks for that, everyone. I did just say that a minute ago, um, and we did we are reading the comments. So thank you all again for spamming. That it, Halo Infinite is apparently on the Xbox One. I didn't know that. Thank you. Um, well, the thing is, they wouldn't have announced it last year at E3 if it wasn't coming on Xbox One. Like they already announced the know. game. So yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. I, I was mean, still. Me, I, yeah, I, I was sort of either way, but I got the I got the argument that I mean, it was more of like a showcase of tech, and then being like, and yeah, Halo Infinite is a thing that's coming. But yeah, I mean, I mean, first off, I was like, yeah, well, it's got to be Xbox One, but then. I mean, Tyler, you convinced me otherwise. But now I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I've always been, been either way. Um, I think it's got to be both, surely. Especially yeah. if it's coming next year. They're not just gonna release it on the Xbox One, and not on whatever the next Xbox is. Um, well, for me on Microsoft's side, I'm actually excited about what they announced last year with all the studios that they acquired. Yeah. Like, uh, well, first of all, there's a the new one that they're starting, which is called the Initiative. Like that one, I really have high expectations of because they have some. Um, like really big people in the industry working there. I think the leader of it was the the guy who led Crystal Dynamics, which was the studio that worked on the Tomb Raider games, the recent ones. Um, so apparently they actually are working on this massive, like probably or likely to be like story-driven type game. Uh, so that could be, I mean, the initiative sort of looks like they want that to be the, the, the Naughty Dog or the Sony Santa Monica of Xbox. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what exactly they come up with, but I'm looking forward to that. And then there's also Ninja Theory, because I really, really liked Hellblade. I don't know if you played that, but uh, I mean, I, I love Hellblade, and I just want to see what new thing they come up with. It's likely also going to be a new IP, but I'm currently like really just looking at new IPs. Therefore, I can't really predict or tell you which sequels or which uh, next-gen games I'm looking forward to, because most of them probably won't be sequels. I'm looking... At the moment, I'm looking forward to new ideas. That's also why I'm super hyped for Death Stranding right now. Because honestly, I just don't know what it is, but the setting seems yes. super intriguing and like mm. different. And it's just something new. That's what I'm looking for at the moment. So that's what I'm excited for. Do we have any sort of release date or window for Death Stranding yet? Is that 2019 or is that just 2020? No, that's 2020. Well, it could still be 20. It looks like Sony is going to release, likely at least, one of those three games this year. So that could be either Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, or Death Stranding. One of the three will probably make it this year, and then the other two will be for next year. But it's it's hard to say which one that is, although if you'd ask me, it looks like Last of Us 2 is, is um, furthest ahead in development. So I would expect that one to be the one for this year, somewhere in September. Uh, or they're going to keep all three for next year, but that would definitely be disappointing, because then they have nothing this year apart from Days Gone, which is not going to be anything special. So Yeah, I, I definitely think The Last of Us Part 2 will come out, yeah, I think this year. I, yeah, it's I'm, I, th I thought it would be I thought it would be a mid-year, like a May sort of release. I'm surprised that it, you know, we haven't got any date yet. So I think, yeah, you're probably right. It'll be September. It won't be in the peak. It'll be like similar to the Spider-Man PS4 sort of Yeah, window. Sony doesn't do like fall games anymore in November or whatever. They just let, you know, Ubisoft and EA and, and Activision release all their games in November. And the, the typical, you know, the Call of Duties and the Battlefields and FIFA and whatever. And then they always take early in the year or September or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. 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 Well, Halo, Halo Infinite is definitely up there for me. Um, but there's yeah. also even, talking about the new Microsoft Studios, the potential for 
um, Fable 4 is a big oh, one for me. I'm not sure if you ever yeah. played the Fable, Fable games, Robin, but we've been advocates for a new Fable. And though Lionhead closed, there's been a lot of rumors over the past year that Playground Games who make Forza Horizon um, and yeah. are making um, a new Fable. And that kind of got pushed forward again because the rumors came out before E3 last year. And then at E3 last year, um, they said at the Microsoft press conference, Playground Games are also working on another open world project yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're no, not going to announce yet. So it's like, well, okay, well, the rumors came out already that they're making a new Fable. Now even more so. And in the UK, there was a Microsoft Games employee that on LinkedIn was advertising for a game. They're trying to make a game, quote unquote, like Horizon Zero Dawn. That's a Microsoft exclusive. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, well, that what fits that to me is Fable. You try to make Fable, but like Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or it could be a, they could just make a new IP out of it as well, but it's they're likely going to use the Fable IP because it's already you know it's known already. It has already a fan base behind it and stuff. So it's also yeah. a great IP to pick from. Like it's something that's kind of fantasy is good. Fantasy is kind of missing these days. I feel like yeah. Yeah. Well, it was The got, Witcher, I guess. And, yeah, you've got Witcher, you've got Elder Scrolls, but yeah, and I guess Dragon. But Age Elder Scrolls is so like, few and far between, and I wouldn't call Dragon Age all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, hit or miss with Dragon Age, really. In a while. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Fable, but they've just got to do it right. That's the only issue. Like Lionhead knew what they were doing with 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 Fable. Um, oh, well, I mean, for thing, a while so. they did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Peter Molyneux sort of, I guess, twisted his own his own vision, I guess, but. You know, um, I guess you've just got to get a studio. I mean, it's a UK studio, which is which is sort of what you need for a Fable game. And you've got to get that humor right. You've got to get the charm right, and you've got to get the the atmosphere and the vibes right of the world that you know of Albion and the characters. You can't go all dark, but you can't also go all ridiculous. It's got to feel grounded and realistic and immersive, but at the same time, it's got to be lighthearted and have that that charm that Fable has. So if they can if they can nail that, and then also have you know rewarding gameplay that's fun and a good story with good characters quests and things like that then you know you've got a good game on your hands but um mm. we'll have to wait and see but that yeah that's definitely what i'm looking forward to which will uh, definitely be next gen if it's if it exists it's just good to see to me that microsoft is like expanding their portfolio they're still going to keep obviously halo gears and forza going but you know just the fact that they acquired all these studios and it seems like they're going now in a you know, yeah, that really they are expanding. They they're gonna use Fable as their like Horizon type franchise, so that they have the open world games covered now too. And then they're gonna use the Initiative and Ninja Theory for the story driven games next to it as well. So they're just building up this portfolio that's like more similar to what Sony is doing at the moment. And I think that's you know good to see. Yeah. And plus, Xbox also have you know they can play catch up with making games, or you know that's what what they should be doing. But at the same time. Microsoft have also had a focus on software and they're ahead of the curve on that in a lot of ways uh, because, I mean, Games Pass is a big deal and that's mm -hmm. going to be a big deal when it comes to next generation. When they have the games to back it up, they're going to have, you know, a huge, I think, movement and push their direction, I think because of games pass because of what they're working on in terms of software in terms of functionality in terms of easily accessible for and it's affordable to get people buying and playing more of your games you know for for less money that's what people want yeah yeah i mean game pass is going to do super well exactly when once they have the content for it and at the moment they still don't you know well i mean a lot of people still find it worth it because it's not that expensive at all but you know like you said if they actually have 
you know, a couple of high-profile games now coming out every three to six months at least, you know, more frequent than they do right now at least, then, uh, you know, then people will be much more inclined to actually use Game Pass. I do wonder if, if Game Pass really is, like, the future or not, because at the same time, you look at it and you go, well... If people have a year-long subscription, then what? They pay about 120 euros or pounds or whatever, 100 pounds, I guess. Um, like, that's similar to just two new games, basically. And you're giving away all these games for free now. I don't know if it's viable, you know, if or if it's actually not just better to stick with the traditional model and sell your games for $60. But, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, games are, probably should be more expensive, not 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 less expensive in terms of viability when you think about it for third party especially but i mean maybe for you know i mean game pass isn't the first thing ea have kind of had their own little thing that's not that's but it's more for like a club thing so you get games for discounted you're not just like get their full library i mean it's ea they're not gonna you know do what microsoft are doing and give away their ship for free like imagine you know the, the next halo you'll get for ten dollars if you just want to have one month subscription and then cancel it, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah, but then you also need that subscription to play the games as well. Like you have to stay subscribed. Yeah, but some people games. don't want to play it once and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they'll yeah, play yeah, for I mean, a month and that, that will but, be it. But yeah, you always need that subscription. Because like, so, like if you were going to play the multiplayer like continuously, you'd still need that subscription going. So I guess they can make money in that sense. But yeah, it's, it's a bit strange that it would be... Because it, it, it does sound super cheap especially when they have the games library to back it up. Like, if they're releasing the amount that Sony have been releasing games, then, yeah, they're not really... I mean, I guess you need a lot of people doing it. When you have enough people, I guess, then you start to turn a profit. But but also, you need to be giving people a reason to stay subscribed, and the reason mm -hmm. is to have the library. Not just have the library for one game or you release a Halo, but, yeah... You, you, then in three months, you know, oh, I was going to cancel it, but like in three months, that new Fable comes out, and I do want to try that, so I might as well just leave it. And then, oh, in three, four months, that new IP is coming out that looks really good from that other studio. You know what I mean? So you've just got to mm -hmm. keep the content rolling. You've got to have reasons to There's play. And even and it can include third party too. You know, they've got deals with, with other companies and third party games to get onto Game Pass as well. So it's like the same way Netflix does with TV shows that aren't their originals. So it's yeah. it's just a matter of of them running it the similar to the way Netflix does. Again, I don't know if it's viable at all. Yeah, but that's the problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's only time will tell. Yeah, it's very yeah, there's no there's not really a precedent for this, at least in games. Because the pricing of games is so different to the pricing of movies, so it's much easier for like a Netflix or Amazon Prime to do these sorts of things. But then when you've got like games that cost so much more uh, for each game, then it's it's yeah, it's it's different, so I guess it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the next few years. But it's something that I'll I'll pay attention to for sure because it's it's interesting. Well, speaking of the future of uh, video games, PlayStation had their state of play like <laughs> what was it a week ago or whatever it was, and yeah. I think a lot of people were very confused. It's not a good sign but... for the future if that was a. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Jesus. So. So I mean I didn't watch it live. I've I've you know kind of just read up on it and and watched a few little clips here and there. But do, I assume Robin, you watched the stream. I know James did. Yeah, I was live streaming myself. There were a yeah. thousand people watching, and they were all quite disappointed. So yeah, <laughs> it was so weird. It was just I mean it's weird because like they 
I don't even know why they did this now. I really don't. Like, I get that they want this sort of Nintendo Direct thing to give updates, but it should. They should have. Well, what they should have done is they should have um, made clear what our expectations should be, and they didn't do that at all. Like, they didn't make clear in advance, like, oh, it's mainly going to be focused on indies, and then like we'll have small updates on uh, soon-to-be-released games like Days Gone or Concrete Genie or whatever. Like, you know, when you say, oh. It's you know it's been nine months since E3, right? So we haven't heard from Death Stranding, Last of Us, and Ghost of Tsushima for nine months. People kind of expect that there's going to be an update around or, or about now, right? Um, so when they when they're like saying, "Oh, we're going to do the state of play thing," it's going to be a brand new thing. And in the back of our heads, we know there's not going to be an E3 this year. Then obviously we're going to expect like, "Oh, this is where they're going to show off these games," but they didn't. Um, so it's all a matter of expectation management. And because they didn't set the expectations in advance, people thought that they were going to get something really special here, or at least hoped for it. And that's not what we got. Instead, it was just a bunch of random updates on smaller titles. Uh, so there's really not much more to be said about that. My favorite one was the Iron Man thing. Uh, that was my favorite thing. Like the watching compilations of people's reactions to this trailer that you didn't know what they were showing, and then you find out it's... Iron Man and people are like, oh my god, it's Iron Man. They're making an Iron Man game, and then it's Iron Man VR. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing there as well is that we've known for a long time that uh, Crystal Dynamics right now is working on an Avengers game, like a massive, you know, a huge Avengers game. That's what Square Enix is uh, preparing. And so people, you know, when they open with Iron Man, people think, oh wait, is this it? <laughs> and then it's not. It's just a VR thing. Oh, yeah. Man. It was so fucking stupid. So many VR games. And I like I get it. I get why they're making VR games and everything. Like they've got PSVR, they want to push that. VR needs to be developed more so that it can, you know, do something better in the future. But I mean VR games aren't that good really, are they? I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of VR games. They're sort of they're very limited in what they can do. And I think the audience for these so like the people that were watching Stay at Play, the only people that are gonna be super interested in these VR games are people that already have VR because nothing that was shown mm-hmm. made me go yeah, I need to get VR now. Like, it's not that good that I need to now get VR. Like, it's, you know, the only people that are going to be interested are people that already have it, and they're going to find out about that anyway because they have VR, they're looking for new VR yeah. games. It was sort of a waste of a showcase. There was there really wasn't much need. I mean, VR is cool, but it's still, the PlayStation VR kind of still lacks the couple of, like, actual... You know the 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 games that make an impact. A lot of the a lot of the the cooler things on the VR right now are actually more like tech demos, small small games that take just a, a few hours to beat or whatever, and then like you're basically done. And you know it, VR is a really cool thing. Like you know my my biggest problem with VR is I get motion sick so easily. So I put the thing on and I'm I'm literally like I'm feeling dizzy and stuff within ten minutes. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. uh, and I just can't get used to it. But when you put the headset on, it's really something different. I like VR a lot. I like the potential of it. It's just that at the moment, you know, we're still in that phase where, like, you know, not many people own a VR. There's not a lot of incentive there for it to actually, like, you know, focus on making great games for it. And there's a couple of cool things, but like I said, they're small projects, so. Mm. Yeah. It's, I've never even experienced VR. Like, I would have no you idea. Definitely I, should. I reckon, yeah. yeah, yeah it seems like something that's worth trying. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd like to, but then but, again, like it's so expensive as well to like, yeah, know, it get, is get get a VR headset and everything, and there's just not that many things that are like I need to have this now. So it's oh, just exactly sort of in the back of my mind, it's like I'd like to, but also that's a lot of money for a lot of nothing. Um, yeah. So one day I will, but you know, we'll we'll you know 
gotta wait for that i think yeah well, you mentioned um, the the yeah, avengers game mm-hmm. um what do we know about that like i feel like i haven't heard anything about that other well we know exists. barely anything we know barely anything all we know is that crystal dynamics is working on it the people that made tomb raider um so it's it's definitely i mean it's 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 not something low budget or whatever it's going to be a huge game but they they've been working on it for a couple years now ever actually ever since they finished rise of the tomb raider which was in 2015 so it's been quite a while honestly already it definitely feels like that that game should be about to be shown off maybe at e3 this year um that could even be something for next generation though i don't know it's hard to say but like, I mean, we should be hearing from that game soon, and it's, it's going to be something huge. Like, people who like superhero stuff are going to love it, of course. But, uh, but yeah, it's, there, there's really not much information about it at the moment. Are you into the Marvel stuff, Robert? No, like, not are you at into all. the MCU? Not, not at all. I, I barely watch any superhero movies, so. Oh, my God. That's horrible. <laughs> That's a I'm so sorry. That's a big shame. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Have you watched any of the MCU at all? Like, uh, I, I've seen the Iron Man movies, I think, all three, because my girlfriend forced me to watch those. Uh, she really liked them. It's a good I've, girl right there. I, yeah, I've seen... Uh, I don't even know. What have I seen? Well, that's DC. I've seen uh, Batman, the trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's basically where it is. Which one? Which one? You mean the Dark Knight trilogy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well actually, tr- no. Not even the last films. one. Just the first two. Uh, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight, I've seen. I mean, but it's yeah. it's really not my uh, my thing. Wow, that's yeah. um, yeah. yeah. Would James and I are kind of like Marvel nut huggers? Like we yeah. are obsessed. Yeah, I feel like you. Yeah, it's a huge part of our lives. In fact, those on Patreon, after this podcast is over, you get the next episode of the Cinema Room podcast. We talk about Thor. The Thor movie and the best other movie ever. I'm kidding. It's the best. It's close. Oh, I saw though. that one too, by the way. Thor Ragnarok. I saw that one. Oh, uh, you saw yeah. the third one. That's a great. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great movie. Yeah, Thor one is. Uh... Yeah, it, it exists. Well, you so don't don't spoil it, that. James. Don't spoil I'm it. I'm sorry. Have to go I'm sorry. Yeah, listen it, to the look, cinema room. Yeah, podcast. Thor is a movie, and we talked about it. So if you want to listen to that a week early, Patreon.com forward slash as always. Just a dollar after this podcast. As soon as it's finished, I'll put it up. And then you can... I mean, it's already up. I'll just make it public. And then you can go and listen to that. It's really good. I'm, <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm not just saying that either. It is really, really good. Um, Anywho. Great. Anyway, um, yeah, carry on. But he, but the Avengers tickets did went on, did go on sale this week. And I want to talk about this. Um, that uh, within six hours, Avengers Endgame became the record holder for the most pre-sale tickets sold in the first 24 hours it beat the force awakens which was the record holder which had it in 24 hours in just six hours that is insane. that's insane the fact that infinity war didn't beat episode 7 of star wars but endgame did and in such a short amount of time just shows how mm. much i think people are interested still like they saw infinity war they're like holy shit this was like a cultural thing that became so huge and now everyone wants to know what happens next and people are just it's it's huge it's huge and i'm i'm really stoked that something so so cool is is you know getting that sort of attention do you think they're going to break records with the you know the what do you call it the the amount of money they make um yes the gross film gross yeah yeah, i do i do number one or yes i i do think 
Well, because Infinity War is what number three of all time now. Something like that, like yeah. it, the only thing it didn't beat was Titanic and Avatar, which is, have been the top two forever. Is it? Yeah, Titanic's two, Christ. and Avatar is by far. Yeah, it's number. number I know Avatar is number one. I didn't realize Titanic was number two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought Avatar was number one. Already. Yeah, Avatar's number one, Titanic's number two, Force Awakens is number three, Infinity War is number four. Okay. Yeah. Infinity yeah, yeah, War yeah, is it about is like yeah. it's about like twenty twenty million, I think, behind. Force Awakens. Huh. Yeah. So yeah. I think Endgame will beat Titanic. I think okay. Endgame will okay, quote me on this. I think Avengers Endgame will do two point five billion. Okay, so you don't think it'll be so, Avatar? So, I don't think it'll be Avatar. That's I don't think shame, anything will be Avatar. Avatar very good. It's not very good, but Avatar didn't become number one because it was just some amazing movie in, and everyone went to see it the opening weekend. Avatar was in cinemas for ages. Same with Titanic. People just kept going to see it. And it actually, Avatar did better at second weekend than I think its first weekend. Like, it was like a word of mouth thing. You had to experience it, the 3D, and then it started that 3D movement that, thank God, ended. Oh, God, yeah. Um, 3D movies are terrible. Yeah, but I think, you know, there's only two, oh, it's two. There's only four movies that have ever grossed over $2 billion. That's Infinity War, Force Awakens, Titanic, and Avatar. I think Endgame does $2.5 billion. Um, I think it, yeah, crushes Titanic and does, yeah, $2.5 billion, but I don't think it beats Avatar. I just don't. I don't know what does. I don't know if, yeah. I, but, I, yeah, Endgame will. I think Endgame will be number two. It'll be Titanic, finally. Something will be fucking Titanic. Yeah. Um, Titanic's pretty good. Yeah, because, well, I think in the, what sells these days, what get, gets mainstream audiences involved in it's like meme culture. It's it's jokes we can talk about. And what Infinity War did with that ending and, you know, it started so much online conversation. And I think people, even if they didn't see Infinity War in cinemas, now they're kind of in on it. And people will just go to see it for that moment and that ending. And it's all these superheroes that you, many of them, like Iron Man and Captain America, it's probably going to be the end. Even though, like, Robert, like, they had the premiere last night or something. And some of the interviews that came out are freaking me out. Like, Robert Downey Jr. goes, trust me, no one will guess how it ends. I'm like, and I'm like, well, that to me freaks me out. Because I'm like, well, it should end this way. This is how it should end. And if it doesn't, I'm concerned. What the I'm fuck excited. are they gonna do? I'm looking forward to it. It's really, it's really soon. It's like a couple of weeks, and then it's out. It is a couple of weeks, two and days. a half weeks. Yeah, twenty fourth of April. I'll see it, yeah. and it's the seventh today. Yeah. So it's is it the twenty fourth of April for the UK as well? Twenty uh, fourth. Well, uh, yeah, midnight though. So like, the my like my. So twenty fifth is the release so, date. So it's the twenty fifth. Yeah, because my the t- my tickets are the twenty fourth at like eleven thirty p.m. So it is oh, okay. so be at midnight. Um. Okay, yeah. In Australia, comes out like twenty fourth on the Wednesday, and mm. you know I think the but there's no midnight. The first session at every cinema I've checked is like eight a.m. Oh right, yeah. I tried to get yeah. like because they were doing like everywhere they were doing like double bills of Infinity War and then Endgame like straight after each other. Like because I did that for the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, and it was great. I loved it. So I was like, I'll try and do that again. And I tried to do it literally the day the tickets went on sale and everywhere was sold out. I was like, this is insane. What the fuck is <laughs> going on? Like, the Infinity War tickets, I waited, like, at least, like, a week or two after they, like, went on sale. And I still got them at midnight. It was easy. But Endgame was so difficult. I had to go to, like, some really, like... I, I, I mean, it's a cinema that's near me, but I don't really use very often. But they had some, some seats available for the midnight launch of, of Endgame. And I was like, thank fucking God. Because I'm not waiting until the next day to see it. So... 
Oh no, of course not. Yeah. You mean the actual release date? Yeah, no, that'd be weird. Fuck that. Um, I gotta go see it at yeah, midnight, yeah, yeah. so I'm getting home at four o'clock in the morning. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've got work the day it comes out, so I'm going to like the eight thirty p.m. session on the day it comes out. So like I go straight from work, rush home, then go to the cinema. But you know, eight thirty. I think that's the perfect session. Like, it's a perfect session to see. Uh, that way I don't get home. Like you said, at four in the morning, it's a three-hour movie. I don't know how I'm going to stay up for it because, like, as we keep talking about, the way that I'm being now a responsible human being with my fixed sleep pattern. So I don't know how I'm going to stay up till four o'clock in the morning. I can barely get to 11 p.m. these days. Um, So fuck knows how that's going to happen, but I'll do my best. Yeah. So so close. I can't even even deal with it. I can't even, It's just... I can't even, man. Yeah, it's, um, it's bizarre. This was, uh, I'm so excited. But Game of Thrones, Robin, you surely watched Game of Thrones. Uh... Oh, no, I don't like that. I don't actually, like that noise you made. Here's the thing, here's the thing. I don't like that. I've seen up to season six. Right. I've, I've not even seen the recent ones. <laughs> recent seasons but i don't mind if you uh if you talk about it or whatever like i i'm gonna i'm probably still gonna catch up though before the the final season starts but like game of thrones the whole thing has been i you know there's a couple of tv shows i really enjoy um which are also super popular i mean like i love breaking bad and i love true detective and stuff so i still i still get excited for shows like better call soul nowadays and true detective i just recently saw the new season but game of thrones for some weird reason has never managed to be this thing where like i personally care for it as much as anyone else i i still think it's super well made of course but uh yeah just never felt personally like attached to it well you've seen it and well. you like it fine sort of thing that's, that's yeah fine. yeah basically it's, I think uh, I've either met some people that are obsessed and love Game of Thrones, or I've met people that haven't seen Game of Thrones. Like, it's the two, one of the two. I don't know if I've ever met someone that's like, yeah, I've seen Game of Thrones. It's all right. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, I'm the true. rare exception, basically. Yeah, it's a week today, yeah. right? The, the final season starts. Comes out the 14th. 14th. Yeah, week today. Holy shit. shit well, it's the 15th in Australia. Yeah. I think it's like the premiere is like 11 a.m. on the, on the 15th on Monday, because it's the same time it would premiere in the U.S., like yeah. that, that Australia would get it. So I think, I think, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing on the Tuesday. I think I usually have Tuesdays off work. So I think I'll be home to watch it as it, as it premieres. That's exciting. Watch it. I don't remember how I used to watch Game of Thrones when it aired. Um, I'm going to have to figure that out. See when it, when I can get it in the UK. Uh, in a so how's it going to end though? How do you? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I, I want to hear the your last Club, This is the last Kilconnor Club before. This is the um, last Kilconnor Club of all time. Yeah. Before of all time, <laughs> this is the last one ever. We're at ninety-seven. I know we said. I know we said we get to hundred, but I lied. We're gonna no, get to ninety-seven and perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the last one before Game of Thrones from years. Oh, I. I mean, it's not the last one before it ends. There's still you know six weeks of it. Oh, I don't know, James. James. Died, no, 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 no. I, I don't think everyone will, everyone will die. But I, I think a lot do, of people actually. will die. I kind of think everyone will die. Really? Yeah. When I'm, you say everybody, I what do you mean by that? No. Like, who will be the king or queen at the think, end of the show? I don't show? think anyone will take the throne. I think that it can go two ways. Either everyone dies, and that's why no one takes the throne, or they, like, dissolve the monarchy and make it, like, a republic with elected, like, elected leaders and stuff. Oh wow! 
Um, I don't. I feel oh, like there's so, no way yeah. they're gonna have someone take the throne. Like I just don't. Yeah, think, it's totally. so predictable. Like yeah. it's not a Game of Thrones, and at the end, someone becomes the king or queen. I mean, it's kind of predictable of that nobody takes the throne as well, though. It's oh, like I, <laughs> go way, I feel like that's a way more predictable ending. The dragon <laughs> takes the throne. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. It'd also be terrible. Um, I, I heard. I heard the strangest theory that kind of would be like, you know, if you wanted to make an ending that wasn't like it's not bad people wouldn't hate it but it would be like unpredictable at the same time because i feel like any unpredictable ending people would be like well fuck what was the point of the show then you know what i mean like oh, if you were yeah. just like cersei wins it's like well fuck, Shame was shit. you know yeah nah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but i feel but so i heard a theory where someone's like john daenerys like they all die um cersei wins the throne and that's like we're at the ending the night king's been defeated but yeah, John and Daenerys are in the process. So Cersei wins the throne, but then Jamie's still alive, and he actually, for whatever, like he, in the same way, like his character arc is being the Kingslayer. Oh. He kills, he kills Cersei, and he takes the throne. And being the Kingslayer, like of his story arc, he actually ends up being the ruler, and Tyrion's the hand of the king. Wouldn't that be fucking? That'd be kind of great, actually. You know what I mean? That would like that's be like really sure good. it's unpredictable, but it's also um, not totally shit. That would actually be pretty good because that would be like really poetic. It'd kind of be like the way the show started off, yeah, with like Jamie killing the Mad King, and then ending with Jamie killing another monarch. But it's like it's totally Mad different because he's been through so but much and like and it's yeah. a sister slash wife. You know, the mother good. of his children. Oh man, that yeah. that could be good. That could be good. I mean, which uh, what? Another question is, what major characters do you think are definitely going to die? Daenerys, I think, is definitely not going to live. Yeah, I don't think she could. If imagine if it ends with Daenerys just being queen. I mean, I wouldn't hate it. You I know, would. sometimes predictable. Sometimes it, it's okay to be predictable if it's like, well, that's what the story was building towards. They'd that's how it ends. They'd have to do it. It's like the end well. of Lord of the Rings. Frodo destroys the ring. Aragorn becomes a king of Gondor. It's no, but yeah, yeah but that's the course- point though of Lord of the Rings. Like, whereas Game of Thrones is yeah, way, it's sort true. of it's it's trying to be different. It's not trying to be like the hero's story. Yeah, the tone whereas- is much more grim. It's about like everybody dies yeah, basically. If, <laughs> like if this fantasy yeah, story happened in the real world, like what would happen? It would everything would just go completely different like you know the main character dies at the end of season one and like you know loads of crazy shit um so i think that although i mean if they were to make daenerys queen they'd have to do it in like a really good satisfying way as well because it sort of feels like they've been going towards that like everyone's like backing daenerys now it's like daenerys versus cersei and then also they've got to fight off the white walkers so it's like okay so now if 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 they just you know Daenerys is the hero, she kills Cersei, takes the throne. They all beat the White Walkers. It's kind of like yeah, I guess, but also no, don't do that. I, it's got to be something else, I think. But also um, like the hero, I think is this, to me is Jon Snow and like Robin. You haven't seen season six and seven, so this is kind of big spoilers mm. for you. No, it's all right. But, I don't mind. But like Jon is the main character. You know, like, he's, I feel like he has to be the biggest part of the ending. And if he does die, he has to be the one that still defeats the Night King. His whole story arc for all eight seasons has been, he's been at the wall 
dealing with the Night King when nobody believed it. He's the one uniting all the armies to fight the White Walkers. He's the one leading the charge against the Long Night. He's the prince that was promised. This is Zora yeah, High. He he's he's the he's a half Stark, half Targaryen. He's the re he's the you know he's he is the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, what does yeah. Jon Snow's role play if he isn't the king? If he doesn't win the throne, he has to be the one that. Uh, at least defeats the Night King, right? Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I think he'll be the one to kill the Night King. Because if they just, out of nowhere, just kill him, it's like, what the fuck was the point of all of this? Like, building up his character, you know, um, you know, making him this, this huge character, the, the first one to be able to unite, you know, the, the like, Westeros with the wildlings and everything. And uh, being able to do all that, like, it... He's united everybody against the Night King and his army. It, he it almost even united Cersei. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the only reason Cersei didn't join him was because of Daenerys. Like, Cersei goes, I trust Ned Stark's son. I know Ned Stark's son will be a man of his word. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Jon Snow almost united fucking Cersei into this shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, yeah, I think that he's got to kill the Night King. But I think beyond that, I think they can do whatever they want as long as he's his he's victorious in his goal which is to defend westeros against the the white walkers then i think that's sort of his arc done i think you can sort of you can do like he doesn't because i don't think john can become king either like he also doesn't want i feel to like be it's king. predictable for john snow to die you know what i mean well that's the point john didn't to decide to be point, king john didn't want to become king john was chosen to become king like it would make sense if you're talking about there being a republic john's the one that's then chosen to be king like sure he's actually the heir to the throne he's actually the legitimate heir to the throne but they actually choose him to be the king yeah that makes sense too like i mean it would also be like because i feel like daenerys has got to die and then it would make i feel like it would give john more of a reason to take the throne as well sort of in her name because he believed in her he's also the right like the rightful heir to the throne as well so it all sort of makes sense um in that sense but then they've also said that the ending's quite bittersweet like that's the that's the word they've used and that doesn't sound bittersweet to me that just sounds like satisfying and like happy if anything but that's why i think the jamie ending's kind of bittersweet yeah, i'm trying to remember i'll tell you where i heard it i was listening to it's a comedian's podcast tiger belly they had dane cook on it was fucking dane cook of all people I'm not sure if you guys know who that is, but like huge comedian back in like 2008, um, still very famous. Um, but he was talking about it and I was like, that's fucking legit. That's a legit theory mm. that I don't really hear anyone talking about, but that's like, that's bittersweet. I you know, like that's, that it's not predictable. It's not predictable, but it's not shit at the same time. Like if you killed all the characters you loved, but then you, you Tyrion survives. I think the safest bet of like, who doesn't die? Tyrion doesn't die. Would you say that's safe? Yeah, no, I do like that theory. Yeah, I like that one. Jack just said in the chat, I think Jon could die once he's joined everyone in peace and it all ends with the Game of Thrones starting all over again. That's one of my <laughs> many theories. The Game of Thrones will never end. I mean, I get that's bittersweet, but it's also super unsatisfying as well. Because I think you've got to get that balance between making it that bittersweet Game of Thrones ending whilst also having it not be super unsatisfying where you're like, wow, that was shit. Like, it's got to be... It's got to end in a way where you're happy with it and you're happy that you spent, you know, years watching the show. So that it can end in a way yeah. that you're like, yeah, that was worth my time. And I think that's yeah, super difficult it, to do, so I don't envy them at all. But there's also the, the my other theory, and the theory I've always had of how um, Cersei does is, it was always uh, the in the books, especially there was the prophecy of why how that a, she'd have three children, they would die, and all that sort of stuff, mm. uh, that she would be queen. But also that her brother would kill her, her little brother would kill her. 
So that's part oh. of the theory that Jamie kills her. But I always predicted that they didn't say it in the show, but in the books, it was like your little brother would kill you. But I think Cersei, in technically, they're twins, but might have been born first out of the two of them. So technically, Jamie's the younger brother. Oh. Um, but I think my theory always was well, if Jamie, it would be predictable if, you know, Tyrion's the one that kills Cersei. You know, it makes it'd be more like, oh, wow, Jamie kills Cersei. But my theory was always. Jamie dies, Arya kills Cersei because Cersei's on her list, but where's Jamie's face to do it? Oh, yeah. That was always my... Potentially. Yeah. I mean, there's also that... So one... maybe even if Jon and Daenerys did die and it's Cersei wins the throne, but then Jamie kills and then it's Arya in the end, and then there's like, there's no fucking win of the Game of Thrones, everyone's dead, but Arya fucking, you know, kills Cersei. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. There's also the whole... Tyrion becomes king? Of, That'd be fun. Um, there's a subplot of Jamie and, uh, what's her name, Brienne? Um, with their sort of relationship story and jamie i remember jamie said because she she asked him or something how would you like to die or something and he said like in the arms of the woman i love or something like that and i and like a lot of people have speculated that he'll die like his arc has sort of come full circle that you know when he first said that i think he was talking about cersei but maybe now like when he dies in the final season he'll die maybe in brienne's arms which i think would be a nice sort of completion to his arc as well because their relationship is something i really like i think it's really well written as well because it sort of it sort of goes hand in hand with jamie's redemption arc as well which i think is pretty good um so who knows i don't know there's so many ways this could go i i, I want it to be super unpredictable i want it to be something that nobody's talked about and then you know um and hopefully it's not you know hopefully it's not bad but it could also be very bad i don't know <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a bad ending, but I do think that it's not going to be some just, oh, that satisfying full circle. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Lord of the Rings-esque, like I was saying, where, well, you know, Frodo no, destroyed no the ring, and, no. and um, you know, Aragorn becomes the king, and Sauron's defeated, and that's how it ends. Like, I don't think necessarily that's how And the ending go. would be three episodes long, so... Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's true. That's true. Though that is, um, Return of the King ending so fucking good. I don't care. It could be. It could be. <laughs> I like. It I too. could watch. Yeah, I could watch the whole movie where it's just the. Those end are my favorite just... movies. So. Are they your favorite? They're my yeah, favorite they movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Ah, something in but common. that's. But that's the thing, yeah. though. People always tell me how how do you not really like Game of Thrones that much when you like Lord of the Rings? But I feel they're yeah. so tonally different, though. It's like the complete opposite they thing. They are. Yeah. They're they, both fantasy. I mean, I, I both yeah. like them for the same reasons in terms of why I like them. Not necessarily like you're saying tone and story is different, but the reason I can get into it deeply and I love reading about the lore is the same reasons. You know what I mean? Lord I'm like, I just love. The, I love the world. I love the fantasy worlds. That's the same reason I love the Elder Scrolls for the Elder Scrolls world of Tamriel. Like I mm. love that mm. knowing that structure of the world and how the different races connect together and um, people work together and the history that there's like a deep history behind it. Like and Lord of the Rings to me is the best, the best at it of all time. You know, my favorite book is The Hobbit. My favorite movie is The Lord of the Rings. And you know, Tolkien's just a genius. Yeah. Actually, speaking of, this is something I'm not sure if I've ever talked about in the podcast, but there's a movie about um, J.R.R. Tolkien that's coming out in there like is. two months. Right. Cool. Have you guys seen the trailer for that? Yeah, I've seen it. I hardly remember it, honestly, but I, I did. I do know. I'm super interested in watching it, though. Yeah. Can yeah, we put, oh, James, are we able to put the trailer up? Can we watch the trailer and react um, to it on the podcast? Are we able guess, to do that? I guess. Well, I'll have to flip it. Maybe mute it. I don't know. 
don't yeah, know. you're gonna get copyright issues with game, that. You yeah, uh... yeah, game trailers are different to movie trailers. Every time we do a movie trailer, because the thing is with movie trailers, they also like to block the the, the video, not just claim them claim the money. Sometimes. Yeah, I wouldn't do but, that. Yeah. But don't you just lower the? Don't you just minimize the screen? Like use that small because I've I've yeah, put trailers in. I've done highlights. Yeah, can, just make it the small screen. It doesn't, one. Yeah, but sometimes Flip it, it just blocks it though. Like, hey, bro. But why don't we? I remember with the okay. Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed ones, it always used to block it. No matter how I tried to put it on, it always blocked the video. So I just had to remove it. And, and so, that was like, Fox, right? That did Assassin's Creed? Yeah, it is. It, and it's Fox that's doing this too. I just was like, which company's doing yeah. this? Fox. Well, Disney owns Fox now. And Disney's not as bad. Like, I've it's, put all the Avengers stuff. Cause, cause, yeah, because when I do reactions to our Avengers trailers, it's fine. But some movies, it's just like, nope, nope, not having it. Just blocks it instantly. And I try and appeal and it's like, no. I don't know whether it's... Well, there's, I just sent you the trailer link just in case you guys wanted to watch it later or whatever. But there's there's moments in it that, like, I, the way the trailer's structured and it's, you know, just telling the story of his life. But it looks like mostly his early life, not necessarily him writing The Lord yeah, of the Rings, but yeah. how he became the person that would uh-huh. write The Hobbit at first. I think the movie will end with him writing the line in a hole in the ground. Yeah, probably. Hobbit. Like, I think that'll be the end of the movie. It won't be, like, during mm. the time he was writing them all. No, because no, Because no. he's taught... I've, I've listened to Tolkien interviews before from like the sixties and he was like, cause he was a professor and he was r- reading or he was marking papers mm. one night and someone in their essay left a blank page mm. and he, and he wrote on that page. He thought it was marvelous that they left him a blank page. So he wrote in a hole in the ground that lives a hobbit on the blank page. That was like how he how he started it. It huh. was just on one of his papers he was grading. Like I think that'll be you'll like there'll be the storyline of you know World War One that impacted like the tone of what what he wrote about loss and mm. about journeys and things like that and who he grew up with that made him love writing languages and stuff and that's really cool too and is and exploring that imagination and then ending it with like how it started would be like the perfect way to end it and the trailer even has like you see while when he's on the battlefield there's glimpses of visions and you see like the nazgul and the you know the riders and even like in there's an explosion and you see like the eyes of a dragon come out of like the flames <laughs> of a bomb that's exploding in the war so like they're adding like these elements of his yeah, imagination cool. to what yeah. he's seeing and the last and it's all about like because he had society groups of, that would write languages and like invent their own languages and things like that. And he had groups he was, you know, really close friends with C.S. Lewis during the time they were writing their stories of, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings and things like that. But he ends when he's talking about starting this group um, of, of, of artists and creatives. They're calling it like, oh, this bond and stuff. And he goes, it ends in the trailer, him going, it's a fellowship. And then it just goes, talking. Right, like, right. Oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, like it looks. Great. It looks really interesting. Like he's such an interesting guy and had such an interesting life. Like I'm really excited for that movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be about his life. I don't really know too much about his life personally, but uh, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how it's going to. You know, it, like you said, they they're going to have these small references to Lord of the Rings, nonetheless, and it's going to be about his life. And I'm interested to see, you know, like how it's going to play out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I know a lot about. I think the history of his life in terms of like when he wrote things and how he wrote things, but I don't know like and and stuff about the war and whatnot. But I don't as much necessarily know about like his personal life, his wife and family, and how he grew up. I don't really know much about that stuff. So yeah, that's also elements I'm interested to see because there's you know I'm not sure if the woman that's 
obviously the love interest in this movie is actually the person he married and was to, with forever. I don't know. Or if it was just like a, a girl at the time that made an impact on him. I don't know. So there's, there's a lot of things I'm interested in kind of in saying about it. But yeah, I think it comes out in May in the US, which probably means it comes out fucking July in Australia. So we'll see what... <laughs> fuck. Fuck's sake. But yeah, that looks really exciting. Really exciting. Um, did either of you guys see the Joker trailer? Then again, I was about to say, Robin, you don't watch superhero movies. Well, but... I saw it actually just today because I knew we were going to touch on it. But it actually it looks cool to me. I mean, uh, once again, like... I like I liked this trailer and I, I like the concept of this movie because it's more focused on the person basically or the character I should say right like it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's like an origin story or whatever or like a backstory type thing not so much on just the you know like what in my you know to me the thing I don't like about superhero movies is just the the unnecessary focus on the explosions and all the special effects and whatever like I care for the stories right so that's I think what I really like about what I've seen so far of this Joker movie is it's more about like the actual story behind his character and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I might actually be checking it out. I don't know. Yeah. James, what do you think? I think the trailer looked, the trailer looked interesting. The only issue I have with this whole movie, as I've said the entire time is when you give, when you, when you start to show, because the, the Joker, the whole concept of his, him like trying to make like turn Batman and, you know, show Gotham that all it takes to, be like him is just to have one bad day and so you know they do it well in the dark knight where he tells this story differently each time because he always reinvents his backstory is you know to you know to 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 just sort of depict this one bad day type thing and whenever they've done his backstories in the past it's sort of in variations on that and i feel that the only way this movie can work for me personally is that if the ending ends with the joker telling the story to like harley in arkham asylum or something and the whole movie was just a depiction or his like something in his head a story that he's telling of that one bad day because once you give the joker a backstory it's really not the joker anymore once you can sympathize with him because i think that would be the perfect way as well of of doing his character because you'd you'd watch this whole movie you're sympathizing with him you can get where he's coming from and like you, you get invested in this character and then they reveal at the end that it was just all an invention that's in his head. And that then is the Joker. That to me that would be like, okay, you've done it. Like that's the Joker. Because you've got you've 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 perfectly characterized him, I think. That's the only way you can do it. But if they don't do that and the movie just ends with this just is his origin story, to me that'd be like, oh, that's a bit weird, because he doesn't really have one and shouldn't have one, in my eyes anyway. Yeah, well I mean this is there's so many different versions in comics of the Joker's actual origin story. So I've no problem with them making one version for one universe. Like I would never have wanted to see how Heath Ledger's Joker actually became the Joker, but this is just it's one Joker. So it's just yeah, one way the of telling the story. Have so an origin I'm, story. Like even if there is yes, one he in does, the comic, but he, does. he doesn't though. What are you talking about? He doesn't have an origin story. Like all of like so like the killing joke, like when he tells his origin story in that, he's telling the origin story. Like it's not just the story of it. Like the story is is set in the modern day and he's telling his story like of what what it was. Like it's not real though. Like it or like it's ambiguous at best. Like it's never really confirmed in any of them. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So I think the oh. best way you can do it is to go and I mean they're they're doing the whole um they're doing like a batman movie as well and to me it feels like potentially maybe they're doing a joker story and then they'll do a batman story and maybe if they work out maybe they could then have them cross over and they could be like let's 
do this Batman that people have really taken to with a Joker that people have really taken to and let's just have them face off against each other if it works out well and they can nail the characters. Um, well, for, for what it was, um, what did you think, though, of, the, of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker in this and, like, the tone of it and everything? I think it was great. I think that that's really great. I think as as the actual character of the Joker, I think that it's looking pretty good. I think the makeup looks good, the look, like his hair and everything. Uh, I like that he looks genuinely insane and all that sort of stuff. Like, he's not like a fucking Jared Leto Joker. Like, um... And so, I like all of that stuff. So, I think that, um... I think that he... He, like... So, I think, they've, I think they can nail the character of the Joker. Like, the being insane, want, like, wanting to show that everyone else can be just like him. And stuff like that. All that I think that the movie needs... Because I, I, I have no doubt that I think they've, they've really tried their best to make this Joker the Joker. Um... I think all this movie needs is to end on that twist of this whole story was just an invention. Because I think if you then just have this movie, like, because even if you never do anything with this, this is just a standalone movie just sitting on its own, whatever. If you never do anything with it, even then, I think they've got it wrong. Because I don't think you should tell the origin story because you're not meant to sympathize. You're meant to think you can sympathize and then realize that you're just being manipulated and it's all it's all false anyway. Like, that's really what makes the Joker the Joker, at least with its connection to the audience through comic books and movies and stuff. So I feel that that's really the best way to do I, it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily on the same boat. Like, because it is a standalone and they may never do anything with it, like, something did happen to the Joker. Like, he did some, he did become the Joker somehow. I have no problem seeing how it happened yeah, in but, one telling yeah. of it. You yeah, know what I mean? To, I but they have to tell you that it is. But I feel to make it work, they have to tell you this, like, at some point in some way that this is just a telling of that story like this is a twist on the one bad day it can't just be like this is a jet this is just a genuine origin story and like even if they never do anything with they can't end it with it and then the joker went off into the world and did joker things and that's the end and then they never touch on again because it's sort of like well that was weird well it's just in one universe they could create because it's not even necessarily they don't do anything with it like i think they will do more with this joker because i think it'll do well and it'll be really good so far from what i've seen and connect to batman but it's like yeah, but this is just how this joke happened. And I don't think we'll be able to sympathize. I think we'll be able to sympathize with him when we see the movie in some ways, but I don't think it'll be like he's a sympathetic character. Like, I think it'll end with fucking hell. How Imagine being that fucked up that you became that. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're going to see a nature versus nurture thing. I think there's something we're going to see in this movie that is like, oh, he didn't just... Yes, it was one bad day, and yeah, it, 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 that's what turned him, but... He was always bad, and I think we—that's the main thing we need to see with this. If we're seeing a genuine horror story, you can't, so you can't sympathize with him. So I think from what you see, you need to understand that even before he becomes the Joker, he's a crazy individual, and you see elements of it even when he's looking after his mother in this trailer. The way he pours the water on her face like that, really like sort of aggressively and weird, like he's an mm. odd, strange guy from the beginning i think that's something you need to understand about him is that yeah man even that even that should happen to me i wouldn't go and kill people i wouldn't then go to make everyone miserable and there's certain lines i liked in the movie like i used to think my life was a tragedy now i think it's a comedy i'm like i kind of love the twist he takes that no one else would have that twist i don't think he will be sympathetic in that way i think if you tell it right even if you show what really happened to him if you show that he was actually always bad he just was able to um, become the Joker based on things that happened to an already bad guy. Because there's bad people in the world. Not everyone becomes the Joker, but this bad guy did yeah. because of 
you know what yeah. what is happened in his life i think that if you're gonna i think yeah if you do that and it is just his genuine origin story then you because he didn't look like a good guy him. right like because like he didn't look like a good guy that oh man bad stuff's happened to him he looked like a creepy odd guy he did look yeah the, yeah yeah and i think that's a good way of doing it but then if you're gonna just go down the route of this is genuine this is just the origin story of the joker like this is genuine just seeing this firsthand then you can't ever use him again because to me that's just then not the joke because you know his origin and i just don't think that you should i just don't think it works like that especially when he's reoccurring i think that's where that's where you start to get issues um because what what was so good about heath ledger's joker is obviously you jumped in you know when he was already the joker and everything but you didn't know his backstory so when he was telling it you then realized that oh shit this guy's like this is right but then if you wouldn't so like say they've reused this joker again in a batman movie or something if he started telling like the story or tried to pull that, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't have the same effect at all because you'd know. You'd be like, "Well, we know." But you wouldn't. You wouldn't even have him pull it. You wouldn't even have him pull that. You know what I mean? Like, you just for this joker, you can't do it, so you don't do that. Yeah, but it's a classic Joker thing to do. Like he always does that. Yeah, yeah but he doesn't have to. Or he could just tell the truth. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, or he could just mm. he could bring up elements that aren't true because. Because especially, you're not seeing his childhood, right? Like, well, we don't know. I mean, they might do that. But, yeah, sure, he's a weird guy from what we see. But we see him as an adult. But what if he tells stories about his dad and why his, he was looking after his mother? And you know what I mean? You don't know if that's true. So there could be elements you, you you know, dive away from that you never see. You just see how he becomes a joker. You don't necessarily see how he becomes a fucked up person that becomes a joker. So, I don't know. There's, there's ways around it. I don't necessarily think. Yeah, I don't. Is. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, like I no, I, I still kind of hope that this ends with him just telling the story. I, to me, that would be perfect. I would be so pleased if that's what they did, because to me it would be like, wow, you've like this is the Joker, like this is great. You've done this so right, and then it opens up that whole possibility of they've done a good story. This could just be it on its own. They could just leave it where it is, but potentially this could go somewhere in the future if they wanted to. They could easily use it again. Um, and that, to me, it sort of feels like that's what they're doing. That's also why it's set like what is it like seventies or eighties? This movie's set. And then you've got like the yeah, Batman I think it's movie. Like 80s. The Batman movie set in the nineties, I believe. So there's that time, oh, is it really? time, time gap between them, and you've got that kid that people are saying is is probably Bruce Wayne, which I think is probably true in the trailer, as well as Thomas Wayne being on TV, um, and stuff like that. So they're setting up little. Do you bits think it ends with the Joker then. kills Bruce Wayne's parents? Do you think that's how how we end this? Uh, mm, nah, maybe maybe i don't know i think he wants to get back i think because i mean this whole like the whole sort of uh, premise was like he he doesn't like the separation between the poor and the rich he has a real disdain for the the rich and he sort of wants to cause chaos so that the the poor can take back what he believes that they're owed um so i guess he does have a real thing against uh like the wayne family it seems that that's what he's doing and maybe he'll use bruce against um thomas wayne to like get at him so like kidnap bruce or something um similar to the way that like he kidnaps uh was it he kidnaps gordon in the killing joke um to like yeah. get it get at batman or something I th i'm pretty sure that's what happened that's what happens um it could be similar in that instance um but yeah i'm i'm interested though i am interested to see it, it looks to me like they've got the the tone and the vibes down for what makes the joker the joker it just depends on what the narrative is i think uh, moving forward yeah nothing you're right yeah i think yeah there's a lot to look forward to and and i love the only thing i really like about dc is the batman universe and that isn't tainted by all the other shit dc heroes that are out there so i would love a pure you know batman only universe that doesn't have to fit into the fucking justice league yeah, or anything and you can just that. you know 
yeah that have these bad when it's self-contained i think at least for a movie standpoint yeah it, it, and the only and it's like the way spider-man works if it's self-contained as well you know what i mean whereas like mm. the mcu have nailed it i think with but they already had the mcu when they brought in spider-man but yeah i just that's the kind of crossover i say between marvel and dc is like those ones that work in a lot of ways and in some ways best alone is like for marvel it's spider-man mm. um and for dc it's certainly batman certainly batman mm. but yeah, yeah yeah i'm interested to see what they do with this i am interested because They've clearly decided to do this for a reason, and it looks more like it's out of a want to create something. Because they could just keep putting shit into the DCEU and making money that way. But it looks like they've gone, we want to make a good movie here. So I'm interested to see. Because, I mean, DC's focus has now been on less of a focus on trying to make a universe and more of a focus on trying to make good solo movies. Um, If that happens to form some sort of universe, then I would like for a Batman one. Because I think that... If you can get the characters right, it would be brilliant. Um, but we don't need any Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, none of that. Just give us Batman. I think that that would be great. A great few movies with uh, with those characters. But maybe maybe this could start that. Maybe it won't. Who knows? I'm yeah, though. agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, yeah. Well, sorry about that, Fuck Robin. Me, we, we, got, we love our no, superheroes. No, right. <laughs> we love hey, our hey, superheroes. It's your topic. Here. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. We 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 really love our superheroes here. It's like. Video games, superheroes. That's yeah, like, I figured. <laughs> kind of, kind of our two things. Um, yeah, that's pretty much most of the topics going on in the news at the moment. Yeah. When, um... that's 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 most of my list lips list wrapped wrapped up. Um, um, was there any major topics that you guys wanted to talk about today? Uh, I think we've basically covered just about everything. So. Oh, people keep asking about The Last of Us, but I don't know. That might be. I don't know why. Go over. Um... <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs> did you did you, did you want to talk a bit about The Last of Us? Me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't mind. I don't have too much to say about it. Like they don't even sh- like. I mean, they haven't shown anything for nine months. I, I feel like we need to see something more. We've barely seen anything about it, so it's it's hard to even like talk about it. Well, I, I'm interested. Because I have my own take, because I played them all so late, like The Last of Us and all the Uncharted um, games together. What do you prefer? Because so many people say of the Nintendo games, well, The Last of Us is the best one ever, and, and Uncharted's the inferior franchise. Do you prefer Uncharted or The Last of Us? Oh, I easily prefer Uncharted. Easily. Uh, but I know I'm, I'm probably in the minority on that. What did you like, think of The Last of Us then? Like, what, where do you stand with it? Oh, I did really like the first Last of Us for sure. I mean, it was a great game. Uh, it's just the personal setting. It's like, it's literally like Game of Thrones versus Lord of the Rings, where one is more grim and the other is more, like, uplifting, I guess. It's the same thing with Uncharted and The Last of Us, where Uncharted is the more uplifting type franchise, and Last of Us is more the grim setting. And, you know, like, it, it's it's a great game, and it might objectively be... Yeah, I'd say objectively, like, Uncharted 2, 4, and The Last of Us are kind of, like, the best games there, and then 1 and 3 and Lost Legacy are somewhere down the list, you know, when you take all the games from the franchises. But, um, but uh, so, yeah, you know, objectively, it's definitely a great game. It's just personal appeal. Uncharted appeals to me more. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, too, like, I easily prefer Uncharted to the last of us but i hate zombie games and zombie <laughs> movies and zombie tv shows i just hate zombies i think they're everything's unoriginal and boring about them but mm-hmm. even in spite of hating everything zombie related 
I really enjoyed The Last of Us still. Like, I thought it was in a great game, but I would put every Uncharted game above The Last of Us in terms of, like, what, what I would rather play. I'd rather play the first Uncharted than play The Last of Us if, you, if I had to pick one, especially, like, two and four, you know? But then again, I'm still keen as The Last of Us Part 2 in the sense of, well, you know, I'd just love to see the way they tell a last of a story with the technology of now and even the uncharted four sort of style, I think, you know, is better suited to the, to what you can do with the last of us. Cause I mm. thought the last of us to me was too combat zombie oriented and heavy, especially when everyone was telling me, Oh, the last of us, you'll like it, Tyler. It's not just zombies. It's more of a survival game. And then I played it thinking, no, this is a zombie game. 100%. Like the zombies every 10 minutes. I love in uncharted, the, the exploration element and there's a lot of dialogue progression and talking and characters and story. And I felt like the last just doesn't do as much of that. It's mostly combat heavy compared to uncharted. Yeah, I want, so I want a bit more of that. I think it's about the same, honestly, for both. Like, I feel like they both do the same formula, but just in different settings in a way, like the gameplay in the last was just a bit different. It's more stealth based. Whereas uncharted is more like full, full on action and big set pieces and stuff. Last of us has less of that. It's still, I mean, both of the games really do a lot of the character interaction, though, and like conversations while you play the game. And then there's the cutscenes, of course, that it switches between. So I feel like, you know, they are definitely similar games in the way they're set up. And you can tell that they're by the same developer. Um, but Certainly. yeah, as far as appeal for the setting and stuff, then for me, Uncharted takes it. But I, I see most people that would uh, probably take Last of Us over it. So. Yeah, I think the difference right between Uncharted and The Last of Us, um, I think uncharted 4 is really a step above um the, the, both the last of us and the other uncharted games in terms of the way that they structure and, and pace their games mm. whereas like the last of us i think is a lot more similar to the to the first three uncharted games in terms of that because the the first three uncharted games have a lot of action and combat and stuff whereas uncharted 4 has a lot more downtime where you're just with a character yeah, yeah, that's exploring an area uh-huh. like dialogue and stuff like that which the last of us doesn't have a lot of but i think that's because it's grouped in with you know those first three uncharted games that's how the naughty dog made their games but now they've done uncharted 4 they've sort of made things a bit more cinematic story heavy character yeah. heavy and stuff like that i feel like the last of us part 2 will probably take a lot from that uh, it will so. for example like in uncharted 4 you had these these super wide open chapters like the ones where you would be driving around in the jeep or whatever and then you could like explore for a little bit like it had these you know downtime chapters even completely right and i think lasses will do the same thing when now you're going to be able to in certain chapters actually like um explore and maybe you know they're probably going to have this like open world small section where you can just go into different houses and explore and see if there's something there and in some of them you're going to get ambushed of course by the clickers or by humans that hold up there or something like that it will definitely like take inspiration from that um and then you know the other part of the game is of course the more like linear type thing with you know set piece moments and cutscenes and all that stuff i think they're gonna like you said um take a, a blend of each basically like you know it's, it's going to be more like uncharted 4 yeah 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 i'm looking forward to it though as am i and i and i think we're all in agreement comes out this year right probably well probably that it's the most likely let's say do we think it's yeah. regardless whether it comes out this year or not do we think it's the first one of the rest of playstation's exclusives they've got lined up out of like death stranding ghost of shima the last of us do we think it's the yeah, yeah it'll yeah. come out first even if it's not this yeah year? that's what i think for sure yeah i think so too great well lovely lovely i think that's all the topics for today um great 
Yeah, we can wrap this. We can wrap this bitch up. Oh, brilliant! It, Fantastic! All of them. Well, Rob, that's good. Robin, I gotta go to the toilet. Was, real bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we. I think well, James and I've gotten pretty good at holding it. I think of years and years of doing podcasts. Like, yeah. Pretty good at it. Yeah, it's tough though. It's tough the first few times. But um, right. Robin, man, it's been long overdue having you on, dude, and so glad you could come on. And it's a great oh, time. We'll have you on invite. again real soon too. Yeah. yeah, definitely. No, it was great. It was great. Thanks for the invite once again. Yeah, it was a really good time. All right, well, we'll get on and wrap some fucking things up. Okay, so thanks everybody so much for listening uh, to this episode of the podcast. Obviously, if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to give us a like. Uh, links to, if you're listening on YouTube, links to both Tyler and Robin, both in the description down below, so go and check those out if you want to, as well as the link to patreon.com forward slash as always, if you like what you're listening to and you want a little bit more, as well as the newest episode of The Cinema Room on Thor coming out as soon as this ends, go over to patreon.com forward slash as always, just a dollar or more, depending on what you want to support us with. It helps power this podcast, Kill Connor Clubhouse, which you get as an exclusive when you pledge to as always, as well as The Cinema Room. Uh, so we really appreciate all of you guys. And to thank uh, a few of you, we have King Richard III. Well, we have our Patreon producers, King Richard III, Craig, Seth, and Josh Devellier. But now I'm going to read the whole list. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> King Richard III, Craig, Seth, Bullsack47, uh, Josh Devellier, Damien, Billy the Team Tournament, Captain Robertson, T-Man or Travis, Kimo Sabe, Gamer, Casey Wood, Adam Sunling, Alfie Rosell, Jamie the Gamer, Smexy Thork, Lumistrad, Mariofish380, Layla Out, Viridian, Pinkflame313, Aaron Wynn, Fatfuckcuck, Neeb, Brendan BQ Overlord, Ravjai, Julie, Proving Mover, Oscar, James and Lad, Connor DeRose, Bully in the Alley, Zaheer, Gene, Son of a Bitch, OG Adogo, Lauren, Goddammit Glenn, Furious Coco, The ACMJS, Delta R. Rodriguez, Cassassin, Kyle, Sandor, S. Jaws, Kyle Marvel, Marcus Blackburn, Emil Catborg, Joshua Mora, Ginkgo Swag, Andrew Katona, uh, Mass the Bass 2434, Joe the Sex Boy Smith, Elstico 91, Joe aka Founded Scarab, HBots 12, I Got Lumbago, The Real Jaw Raptor, Alfie Robert, Brian Ford, Casper, Milk Boy, Fiji or Ethan, and Andrew Martinez. Thank you all so much for continued support over on patreon.com forward slash as always. You're great. And that's now here's my question. Is the real Jaw Raptor the real Jaw Raptor? I like to think <laughs> it is. I like to think <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, as much as I, I don't think he likes to think it, it is, um, but you know, you I never like know. To think that it is. I like to think he's giving you... us five dollars a month. I do like to. Think I, that. I did hear your amazing uh, impression on that one video recently. <laughs> uh, it was James pretty spot on. Very good at impressions. Eh? Like he's Obscure he's ones, so yeah. spot on. Obscure ones, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's true. Well, yeah, Robin, thanks again for coming on, man. The yeah, people fucking love you. Keep making awesome content, dude. You're hey, doing thanks, great love. things. Thanks, love. Appreciate it. All right, right, guys. We'll catch you Cinema Room right now on Patreon next week for Kill Connor Clubhouse and Patreon or next week for Cinema Room. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.